This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Here we go. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show. You out there, Phil's with a uh, tough one last night. I mean, the game never felt like the Reds were in that game, right? You have one of those games where, like, you never really believe that the Mets, uh, excuse me, the Reds were in it. But it's a one-run game. It's a nail-biter down to the end. But the Phils do what they have to do. Don't care how you get it done. Just get the dub, baby. And they beat the Reds 4-3. Uh, the story really Syndergaard last night. We'll get into him. We'll get into what the game means, how the standings kind of shake out because of it. Busy show today. Uh, Frank Close has the mailbag coming up uh, in about 40 minutes from now. John McMullen on all the Eagles news. Another uh, uh, couple things happening at uh, Eagles practice today. Miles Sanders will get the details. Adam Kaplan, football at four, the PT tonight. But um, don't forget, I've got more qualifying names today on the Sports Bash. And this trip is great. We've got uh, another about week or so for you to qualify uh, for the trip to Washington to see the Eagles play the Commanders. When I say the Commanders, I'm not sure that that registers that I'm talking about an NFL game. Uh, the Eagles in Washington against the Commanders. We're sending one lucky listener and their friend. You'll get a pair of tickets. You'll ride the bus down to D.C. to FedEx Field, cheer on the birds against Carson Wentz and the Commanders. So uh, listen for your chance. All you need to do right is go to our website 973espn.com and all the information is right there for you it's easy to do click on the win tickets to see eagles in washington fill out the form and then listen for your name once an hour here on the sports bash if i call your name you are qualified you are entered to win the trip thanks to our friends at philly sports trips and then on august 26th the Sports Bash for Happy Hour Friday. It'll be a live show at Garden State Brewery, 247 Whitehorse Pike in Absecon. And then that's where we'll pick the one lucky winner. They're going to go to see the Eagles in Washington. And I'll have a winning name coming up in about eh, 25 minutes or so here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. So go to the website now. All the information's there. Get your name in the hat and then listen for your name each hour on the Sports Bash. And then we're going to have a big party. You know, that August 26th, it's really like the last Friday uh, before we get into the football season. So it should be a lot of fun. We'll be there live on that Friday at Garden State Brewery. The food from Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. And, of course, our friends over at Philly Sports Trips is sending one lucky listener down there. All right, let's get into the fills last night. Cindergard, three runs, seven innings. He had a fantastic night. I mean, when you look back at that game, that's the kind of game that if you get that from Cindergard the rest of the way, seven innings, three runs, six strikeouts, I thought what he was excellent last night was command. I mean, he just did not. He threw 77 pitches. He threw 61 for strikes. Uh, that's outstanding. So uh, a couple things in this game that stand out. Syndergaard, I thought, was as good as you could hope for, right? They get that run, uh, two runs in the, in the second off him. 
he just settled back in and really was in command of that game all night long. They let him go out there in the eighth, and you've got uh, Robertson coming in to kind of help him out. But that's the way a Phillies game has to go for them. If they're going to be uberly successful when we talk about getting to a World Series potentially, and I know that seems pie in the sky, but if you make the playoffs, that's your ultimate goal. How do I get there? My starting pitcher gives me seven strong. I got Robertson in the eighth, and I got an outstanding Dominguez in the ninth. That's what the Phillies need. They need six, seven innings from the starters, Robertson in the eighth, Dominguez in the ninth. When these teams win World Series, when they win playoff series, it's because they have that one-two punch in the back end of their bullpen. That's the sign of good teams. Now, is Robertson and Dominguez, right, are they on that level? And I'm not sure about that. We'll see. You know, last year, when you take a look, you get through the playoffs last year, and the Braves win that series uh, against the Astros. The Braves had one of those bullpens that you're just like, when you get into that bullpen... It's a long day at the office. That is what you need. You've got to have those just, you know, Minter. I remember Minter coming in. It felt like almost every single night. When you have guys like that that can come in, um, Will Smith's another one that they have in the back end of their bullpen. Um. Will Smith, I think, saved. I feel like Minter and Smith came in almost every single night for um, for Atlanta in that series. But in the end, Atlanta won the series four games to two. Uh, they beat the Astros in that series. So uh, that's what the Phillies need. They need that one-two punch. By the way, uh, Atlanta had great starting pitching last year, too. Freed and Ann Anderson, who, by the way, got sent to the minors last week. <laughs> How about that? What a story that is. Uh, and Anderson sent to the minors. But uh, those are some of the guys that the Braves had last year when they won their World Series, right? You look at these teams that made the deep runs. You go to, I know Houston didn't win the World Series last year, but you look back at all the games that they had in the playoffs. They won that game one. If you remember, they beat Boston uh, 5-4. Presley got the save in that one. You had that close. You got to have someone who can close these games out. Right? You got to have those couple guys in the bullpen that you ultimately trust will nail it down, close it down. And it's really two guys. It's like you need that eighth and ninth inning guy. And I definitely think the Phillies are a thousand percent better in that spot than they've been right i mean (laughs) dominguez last night was absolutely outstanding i thought dominguez uh eight pitches six strikes robertson as well 10 pitches seven strikes those two guys right now both have eras under two and dominguez is under 150 that is domination uh bryson stott i told you a couple things standing out we talked with bob wankel yesterday Bryson Stott had three more hits last night. You know Stott's up to 225? And I asked him the question. When 
Schwarber is ready to come back. And we'll probably get the lineup for tonight's game in about an hour or so. When Schwarber's ready to come back, do you think about keeping Stott in the leadoff spot? He had three hits last night. He had a big weekend against the Mets. He was about the only guy who brought his bat against the Mets. In the last 14 days, he's hitting 362 on base percentage of 388 in the last two weeks. In the last week, since he's been put into the leadoff spot, six games, 458 with an on-base percentage of 500, two stolen bases, and four runs scored. Heck, I feel like he scored the only four runs the Phillies have scored in the last week. And in the last 28 days, that's essentially a month, 317 with a 364 on-base percentage. In the month of August, he's 362 with an on-base percentage of 388. So how many people out there listening think that you got to start thinking about Bryce and Stott and keeping him in that leadoff spot? And then you're going to get Harper back, right? You get Harper back, you have Stott, and then you got to figure out what you want to do with Schwarber. That's a tricky thing. What do you want to do with Schwarber if you want to keep Stott in the leadoff spot and you get Harper back. Because there's a couple of ways you can do this. Now, at the beginning of the season, you had Castellanos, who, you know, right now, Nick Castellanos has been somewhat of a disappointment. I, mean, I don't say somewhat. He's been a major disappointment. In my eyes, Castellanos, 258. I think he's got 10 home runs. He did have a couple RBI last night, or, or, or one RBI last night. But he has been a major disappointment. This is a guy who hit over 300 last year. 35 home runs or something like that. He's got 10. I said this tweeted out this the other day. Derek Hall's been up with the Phillies for about a month, and he has eight homers. Castellanos has been here all year. He has 10. This guy had over 30 home runs last year. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I said, can you imagine the Phillies right now are 64 and 51? Think about this. They are 64 and 51. They've played a month without Bryce Harper, and they've played essentially a season with a subpar Nick Castellanos. Can you imagine if Castellanos was anywhere near the numbers he gave you last year? And you had Harper not hurt? Unbelievable. So the, 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 so Syndergaard, top of my list. I thought Stott last night. Not because he scored or, or drove runs in. Just the fact that he continues to hit three for five. Uh, the other guy that I got to point out is Sosa, obviously. I mean, when you start to get nights from a guy like Sosa, uh, who had three ribbies, defensively outstanding. Um, it shows you kind of why they brought him on board. He is a a gold glove level, level defensive player. Um they gave Bone the night off at third. Uh, he was the DH. Real Muto, a couple hits last night as well. So he continued to swing a hot bat. They only get the four runs, though. And they got those four runs, three in the third, one in the fifth. And then they got shut down the rest of the night. I mean, Miner, who is, I mean, Miner's got an ERA of over six. I don't know, he's one in ten. Remember Omar Dahl that pitched for the Phillies? He was a lefty. He came over, I think, in the Kurt Schilling deal. 
he had like a 20 loss season. Miner has a shot, I guess, to get to 20 losses. I don't see him getting there, but one in 10 with a 631. How do you keep trotting him out there? My God. 609-403-0973-609-403-0973. I want to take a look at the standings. That's the text board number, by the way. Send me a text. Let me know your thoughts on the Phils last night. Let me know where you think this Phillies team can ultimately go. They beat the Reds last night. They're doing what they have to do. They're beating the bad teams. But those losing to the Mets over the weekend, two out of three, does that taste still sit in your mouth? That bad taste of losing to the Mets and then not scoring in there. Currently, they're 10 and a half games behind the Mets. By the way, according to the playoff percentages, the Phillies have an 80% chance, according to whatever calculations they use, of making the playoffs. Now, the wild card standings. Let's check in on them, as I promised you I would. Right now, Atlanta is six and a half games up in the wild card standings. They are the top team in the wild card. The Phillies are second. They're a half game up on the Padres. And then the Padres are the third team in that wild card mix. Here's the key. Milwaukee is now two back of San Diego. So the Phillies are two and a half up on Milwaukee. And then the Giants, the Phillies are six up on the Giants. So you are starting to get a little bit of separation between the third team and the fourth team and the third team to the fifth team. It is really Atlanta, Philadelphia, San Diego, and then Milwaukee is two back and San Francisco's five and a half back. You're starting to get a little bit of separation for really the first time all summer. Since we've really been zoning in on these standings, this is really the first time that the fourth team isn't like right on your heels. I mean, you got a two-game cushion. Actually, if you're Philadelphia, you have a a two-and-a-half-game cushion over Milwaukee, and you have a six-game cushion over San Francisco. So... You've got a little bit of a cushion that you haven't really had all summer long. So that's why these games against the Cubs, excuse me, the the Reds, are so important. If you can keep chipping away here, you might be able to pull yourself far enough away from those teams that are fourth and fifth and then really just start jockeying for two or three because I don't think you're going to – catch the the Braves for the number one spot in the wild card race. You mentioned the wild card teams. We know the Padres are one of those teams. No Tatis the rest of the year. Also, Walker Buehler, done for the year with the Dodgers. Do either of those items in the last several days maybe change how you feel about the Phillies? future when it comes to the playoffs um the Tatis one he hasn't really played all year anyway right so I think the Padres are who they are you were if you're a Padres fan you were hoping getting Tatis back is really like adding another MVP level player well now you're just gonna have to settle for just having Sosa sorry (laughs) I mean boo-hoo but I think the Padres not having Tatis doesn't really change much there because he hasn't played all year Bueller 
The Dodgers losing Bueller. I mean, what a season the Dodgers are having. They are 80 and 34. They are a plus 251 in run differential. But losing Bueller, look, you could be as good as you want to be in the regular season. You lose a player, a pitcher like Walker Bueller, and you wonder in a big game, it only takes one game to slip up, right? And I just wonder, is losing a pitcher of that magnitude, do they have enough? Uh, You know, Anderson's had a pretty good year for them. Uh, Urias is fantastic. Gonsolin's awesome. They still have Kershaw. So I think they have the depth still. So I don't know that my opinion changes in a um, National League series. I guess the question would be in a World Series, does that hurt them? So not so much does it change my opinion in the playoffs, a Phillies matchup, or anybody in the National League. Although, I mean, you can make an argument now that DeGrom and Scherzer, that's probably better than – and Bueller, by the way, wasn't having a great year. No, but he was known as a postseason guy. True. So, for example, so at the the sports books, the odds have already shifted a little bit in favor of teams like the Mets, for example, in the National League. Some of the sports books – had the Dodgers as a clear favorite, and now that's been taken down a few notches. Yeah. Oh, listen, I think losing Walker Bueller definitely changes the dynamic for them. I don't think it hurts them in the National League. Well, no, I take that back. I should say you mentioned the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it changes anything for the Phillies, but if you have to Grom and Scherzer, they were talking about this on Greeny this morning. In a Let's say both teams get into the playoffs – they face each other without any um, without their pitching being like not set up. Let's say their pitching is set up exactly the way they want it. I mean, you would go into a series with Jacob Degrom. Probably, I don't know would they throw Scherzer in Game One or Degrom in Game One. Maybe Scherzer since he's pitched all year, and then you have Degrom for Game Two. Boo-hoo. Safe assumption, right? You go with those two guys over the Dodger two, right? Yeah, because the Dodgers have two guys down. One guy's done for the year in Kershaw, as you mentioned. I I mean, I certainly don't know when he's coming back. The Dodgers won't even tell us when he's coming back. They're leaving that whole thing just completely up in the air. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you're telling me your number one pitcher is what, Urias? I'm not saying Urias is a bad pitcher, but he ain't Bueller or Kershaw. No. No, he's not. And And... Um, Tyler Anderson's having a great year, but you going to trust him with the ball in game one or two against DeGrom or Scherzer? And by the way, Gonsolin, for as good of a year he's Gonsolin's had... Gonsolin's been really good. He is, he, had, he was the worst pitcher in the All-Star game. When you when he was against the best players on the planet, he was he looked the worst, like physically, pitch-wise, everything. Yeah. So, like, there's a party that wonders... When the lights are on, is Gonsolin going to be able to be the guy? It's definitely uh, an interesting, you know, dynamic with what's going on in the West with some of the injuries out there and Tatis, uh, obviously, with the uh, 80-game PED suspension. But um, right now, you take a look at the standings. Uh, New York is 99.9 getting in. They're getting in. Yeah, they're getting in. The Braves are 99.7. They're six and a half up over the Phillies in the wild card. So Atlanta's getting in. Then you have that race in the central. The Cardinals are a 79.5% chance, and Milwaukee's 54. 
really, to me, the winner of that division gets in. I think the loser's out. Then you go to the West. You've got L.A. with a 99.9. They're getting in. The Padres are 80.3. I would imagine it's Philadelphia, who's 80.1. San Diego, who's 80.3. And then the next best percentage chance, Milwaukee at 54. So as long as the Phillies keep playing the level of baseball or the, you know, keep the same... um, you know, they're playing 555 win percentage right now, but the way they've been playing really since um, Rob Thompson took over, if they can stay on this pace, they should make the playoffs. And that's why beating teams like the Reds are so imperative. You've got to keep cleaning up against the teams like the Reds. And listen, the Phillies have the Reds tonight, tomorrow. Then they play them four more times next week. The Pirates, they play after that, and the Pirates are actually worse. The Reds are 45 and 69. Pittsburgh is 45 and 70. So, give or take, they're, they're worse by a game. Well, the Reds have on paper the better roster, you would argue. Well, they because did they all get... season. Now, since the trade deadline, I no, think but the Reds. They still have Votto, even though he had a bad night oh, last he's night. He's terrible this year, though. He's hitting like 210. Yeah, he, is, you... he has declined. Now, Pittsburgh, they brought up the shortstop, O'Neal. They've actually brought some younger players to it. I think the, I think both teams are, look, um, we're, 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 uh, we're, splitting hairs. we're splitting hairs here. These two teams, uh, Cincinnati, you play. I mean, the Central's got to be the worst division in baseball, right? Because they got the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates. You play the Reds, last night you beat them. You play them six more times. You've got to win five out of six. I'll give you one loss in there because it happens. Pittsburgh, I think they play the Pirates three times. Right after that, you've got to essentially sweep the Pirates. Then they play Arizona, who is 53 and 62. Those are the kind of series where you've got to take two out of three, and if you win three out of three, that's just bonus points. They play San Francisco, who's about 500 right now. You can blow them out of the race. They're hanging on for they're, the Phillies are six up on San Fran right now. They play each other in a couple weeks. You can get them out of the way. They play Washington again. They play Miami. Washington is 39 and 78. I mean, those are the teams. The Phillies have the teams on their schedule. If they could just win two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, they should make the playoffs. All right? That's how we'll start today. Sports Bash Live. 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Of course, I'm going to announce another winning name coming up for you on the other side. So we'll give you a chance now to go to 97.3 ESPN.com. Fill out the form. It's easy to do. I need your name. I got to have your name to be able to call your name out. That's a pretty big uh, component to all this thing here. So get me your name. If your name is called, we will uh, get you entered for a chance to win that road trip to see Philadelphia Eagles Washington Commanders go to 973ESPN.com I'll call out your name on the other side that's of course thanks to our friends at Philly Sports Trips and we'll be live on Friday at the um, Garden State Brewery August 26th so all our qualifiers once you're qualified you come out to the happy hour Friday show we announce the winner during the show, 
And that person's going down to Washington. Free trip, bus trip, all included, tailgate party, the whole nine yards. Sports Bash brought to you by American Airlines and Atlantic City International Airport. ACY now is your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book today at aa.com. Coming back, why the NBA set a horrible precedent with the decision they made yesterday. I got that. Your text messages, 609-403-0973-609-403-0973. Plus, Frank has the Phillies mailbag coming up this hour. If you have a Phillies question you want answered for Frank Close, our Phillies insider, send me a text now, 609 609- 403-0973 and we'll ask Frank coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Don't go away. This is the Sports Bash. Now, back to the Sports ESPN. 2.30 Sports Bash. I got another name for you. Qualifying name. This name will join us live at Garden State Brewery on Friday, August 26th. And he has a chance to win a Eagles road trip to Washington to go see the Eagles and the Commanders. Uh, George Awad. If George is out there, let him know. George, you're qualified for a chance to win that Eagles road trip thanks to Philly Sports Trips and our friends over at Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop. They'll have food that day. Uh, on the 26th at Garden State Brewery for our Happy Hour Friday show. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games in Ocean Casino Resort. This football season will be live there every Monday. We were there yesterday. Great show yesterday. A lot of people came out to say hello. And it's good to see uh, Ocean Casino kind of filled up on a Monday. We had somebody come up to us and tell us that the um, hotel, the the lobby for the hotel yesterday that, that, you know, it's a Monday. I was like, what are these people doing? I guess it's still the summertime down the shore. And he said the lobby for the hotel, he was like, there had to be 400 people waiting in line to get in that. But I was like, jeez, Monday afternoon? I mean, God bless you. Maybe they all wanted to come see the sports bash. Hey, maybe, you know, they want to get the you know their time in with the sports bash and the gallery and everything before they have yeah. to go back to school. There's a lot of options in that place, man. I'll tell you, you can, uh, you can hang out there for a while. You can spend a week inside Ocean Casino. We'll be there every Monday for the football season, and you just uh, – uh, heard another qualifying name. We'll do another one of those coming up in just a little bit. Yesterday we had the Russell Peters Acura Age World Tour. Now I said the show is Friday. It's actually Saturday. That's my bad. I just was guessing it was Friday. Uh, I didn't actually happen. have like a read or anything in front of me. He just basically said, hey, you got these tickets. And uh, I went off of memory and my memory was a little fuzzy. You're doing your best with what you got. Uh, this Ben Simmons story. So I don't know how many people are still paying attention to Ben Simmons, if at all. But it has to do with the Sixers. The Sixers and Simmons have reached a settlement on him sitting out. Remember, they didn't pay him for playing for not playing last year. Well, the two sides have reached a settlement. And look, a source confirmed that the two sides have reached a settlement on his $20 million grievance against the team after he sat out last season. The resolution is confidential. This sets a bad precedent for the league. 
I don't know how many people are paying attention to this, but the NBA has a CBA labor dispute coming up, and I think it's going to be gruesome for things like this. You have now allowed Ben Simmons to say, I don't want to play anymore. I have a four-year contract. The Sixers said, fine, we're just not going to pay you. You don't want to play, that's fine. We're not going to force you. But you're not going to get paid. You don't show up. Well, Simmons, of course, is saying, look, I, I had mental health issues. I had all sorts of issues. That's why I didn't play. Which, this is where this whole thing becomes a huge gray area. So now, how many players in this league are going to take advantage of that opportunity? Look, there's a lot of people out there that play sports who don't love playing. They just happen to be good. And I wonder where Ben Simmons sits on the pantheon of, I love playing this game and I can't wait to get back out there, or I like playing because I get paid a lot of money. And I've never been one to question Ben Simmons' mental health issues. I firmly believe he has mental health issues. However, in some of these instances, the NBA can't just let people say, hey, I don't want to play anymore for a team. Here's my problem with Ben Simmons and the way he handled it. He didn't come right out and say mental health. He didn't go to mental health until he had to. That's the issue I had with Ben. I never questioned whether he has mental health issues. That's the only thing I ever thought he had. That's the only problem I think Ben Simmons had was mental health issues. Yeah, it was the only explanation that made sense. Right. But I also believe that Ben didn't want to admit that, which I get it. People don't want to come right out and say, hey, I'm having mental health issues. There's a stigma placed on people who say such a thing. Well, if you want to collect your money, you got to come out and face the music, man. I have no problem if you say, hey, I'm having mental health issues. But Ben Simmons didn't take that route. He's only taking that route because he wants to get paid. And the fact that they have come to an agreement to pay him, I think it's placed a bad precedent on the league. What's to say that Kevin Durant somewhere down the line decides, you know what, I don't want to play, they're not trading me, and I I don't want to play. Do you buy anything into what Durant tweeted yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I think that whole, I'm going to retire, I mean, come on. I think it was fraudulent because it gets, I said on on game night last night, you know, we we got enough of this um, anonymous front office guy anonymous defensive coordinator i mean these people are being are being allowed to put things on record that are just completely ridiculous well i mean that's the that is sadly the world that we live in in terms of reporting journalism you know hey i have a source that's telling me this. but isn't also on the journalist to you know have a little but that's bit the of- problem it's now become i have to pick and choose what is being told to me and how much I believe it or don't believe it. And not just being a a clickbait. Well, you're supposed to say, look, you are somebody that works in an organization. You're a front office executive in this organization. You're telling me that you believe Kevin Durant would retire. I'm taking you in good faith that you actually have, you know what I'm saying? So, like, now you're saying it's up to the journalist to, to, to... basically comb through who he believes and who he doesn't believe. Well, he should be doing that anyway, shouldn't he? Right, but that's my point, is if he tells you that, don't you say, I'm taking you at your word because of the position that you have. That's the problem that's happened, though. You have too many situations where the agent 
and the journalist are on the same team. Right. You know, Shams getting all his information on Ben Simmons because of, of his relationship with Paul. It should never have been like this. There's no, like, when it got to a point where the journalist had an agent or his agency represents people and that's where you're getting your information from, that is where things have now kind of crossed the line. And I would just say I would spin that question back to the Ben Simmons Sixers settlement. You know, they're, they're, the reporting is it's being kept confidential. Well, you know, what is the value of that report then? Is it just to say they came to an agreement? Well, yeah, because I don't think they want the monetary number out there because they don't want other players to say, man, he got $15 million for sitting out the year. I would ask you, Mike, this. Is it possible he got less than he wanted and that's why the number didn't come out because maybe Rich Paul doesn't want to publicize that number? It could be either side. It could be that on one side, or it could be from the other side saying, we don't want these players to know how much money he got. Or it could be the other side, Rich Paul saying, hey, I don't want people to know that he only got, but I think he probably got half of it, if not more. I'm just assuming that maybe Rich Paul doesn't want it out there because Rich Paul has a history of putting financial figures out there, whether it's through a reporter like Shams or himself putting it out on Twitter. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Phillies get a win last night, but what are some of the questions they have moving forward? We'll take a look inside the Phillies mailbag with Frank Close, plus an update on Bryce Harper, a couple of Phillies prospects. What's the message that the Phillies organization set with all that? Our Phillies insider Frank Close's mailbag is open, answering your questions next. Now, back with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Phils win 4-3 last night. Gets them uh, number two in the wild card. A lot of stories around this Phillies team as we get halfway through the month of August. They're currently a playoff team. If things were to start today, they would play the Braves in the first round, the wild card, with the winner playing the Dodgers. You're going to have to beat the Dodgers and the Mets somehow, some way, if you want to even think about getting into the World Series. That sounds like a tall task. Let's bring in Frank Close from 97.3 ESPN.com. His mailbag is up on the website right now, and there's plenty of things to discuss inside this week's mailbag with Frank. What's going on, Frank? Not much. How are you, Mike? We're doing good, and uh, Phil's get that win they needed after the weekend last uh, night against the Reds. And uh, there's so many questions. I want to start with... Uh, though the move the Phillies made over the weekend to appoint uh, Mick Abel and Andrew Painter up to double A uh, kind of <laughs> signifies maybe a little change in philosophy from this organization. Got a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old moving up to double A. That's something this organization generally wouldn't have done in the past. Well, I think in the case of especially Andrew Painter, there was nothing else that he could possibly do at Class A Jersey Shore. He was making the opponents look silly. Uh, striking out a ridiculous number of batters for the innings pitch. I can't remember the total number, but he threw about 75 innings, and he struck out. Uh, it was it was over well over 100. So Andrew Painter was making the opposition look silly. So when you get to that point, there's really no point in you being there, right? So it makes sense that he rises up to double-A and gets the opportunity to face some adversity. I mean, let's face it, someone like Andrew Painter, best kid on his team in high school, best, best kid <laughs> – you know, going into the draft of anybody he knew, uh, just blowing through the minor leagues. At some point, he's got to get some 
got to face a challenge of some sort. And, you know, one thing about Mick Abel, uh, they were both at Class A Jersey Shore. And uh, Abel was throwing a lot of strikeouts as well. He threw an extra 10 innings. And I believe he had 113 strikeouts in those 85 and a third innings. And so with Mick Abel also showing that uh, the opposition is looking a little silly, he was on a nice scoreless run for a little while, even though his overall numbers don't look as good as Painter's. It just made sense to get him a little flavor of double A before the season's over. Uh, both guys are on innings limits. I don't know what that limit is. Uh, they haven't really announced a particular number. So the thought is each of them will get a start or two. It might only be two or th- maybe three, and they shut them down for the season. But uh, I kind of like it because it's kind of symbolic, too, that both of them move up at the same time uh, and kind of shows that, hey, wait a minute, this system isn't as bad as everybody thought. As, as you just posted today, you know, two of them on the top 50 ESPN prospects. So that's, the Phillies are starting to, all of a sudden to look like they have a good farm system, and that rise kind of sets them up to go into next season feeling good about their, their placement. They'll probably both start at AA next year, but, you know, when you start the year AA, you can move fast after that. Yeah, uh, and apparently there's a report that the, the Nationals wanted Painter in a deal for Soto, uh, so I don't know if people would have done that deal. I'm sure that could be argued back and forth. It didn't sound like the Phillies were actually interested in getting Soto or the Nationals were interested in trading Soto to the Phillies. They were just trying to loop the Phillies in to get Andrew Painter. And why not? If you're an opposing team, seeing what Andrew Painter is doing, you want to try to find a way to get a young talent like that. I think the Phillies are very intent on letting the two pitchers rise up through their system. And hopefully, uh, if not next year, the following year, they might be able to start the season in the rotation. Uh, a couple questions from our listeners. James wants to know about Bryce Harper's situation for next year. Tommy John surgery. Um, th- this whole story is kind of interesting because he looks like he, uh, Dombrowski said he'll be back by around September 1st, but he's going to be the DH. Uh, he's going to play in the World Baseball Classic. He's committed to that. Uh, so where's he finding time to get this elbow fixed? That's a great question. You know, th- this has been a fluid situation. For a while, he was on a throwing program. I think they had hoped even to maybe get him back into right field this offseason. But as Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer was reporting recently, uh, it, Tommy John surgery is a real possibility. And, of course, when people hear Tommy John surgery, all of a sudden their their eyes open up because they know that a lot of pitchers, as we saw with Sir Anthony Dominguez, right, he was out almost two seasons and before he really kind of kind of came back into form uh, this year. Uh, but... That Tommy John for a position player is a little bit different. Uh, and really, there's <laughs> there's not a lot of precedent. But the best thing we could do is maybe look at Shohei Otani, who in October of 2018 got Tommy John surgery. Wasn't able to pitch in 2019. However, he did reappear in the major leagues as a designated hitter in May of 2019. So, so that timeline there does put Bryce Harper a little back behind the start of the season if he does go the Tommy John surgery route, if if he responds the way Otani does. And, of course, everybody's different. But kind of kind of shows you that if you um, go undergo the surgery, he probably will have to miss some time. But the good news is that means the Phillies can use him for this playoff hunt and down the stretch and hopefully get something out of him that makes a difference in this, this organization. And I think if fans had their choice of – shutting them down now or or getting into the playoffs, I think they would pick the playoffs. So still a little fluid, uh, but if the Tommy John surgery happens, he might miss some time in the beginning of next year. And, of course, that would take him out of the World Baseball Classic. 
Hey, uh, what about uh, your thoughts on, and this is some questions we're getting on the text board here, and we brought this up yesterday a little bit, uh, on uh, keeping Bryson Stott in the leadoff spot when uh, Schwarber's back. Would you put Schwarber back at leadoff, keep Stott there? Uh, And if so, where would you hit Schwarber in the lineup? I like it. Actually, what I would do, I would try to set up the lineup so Stott stays in the leadoff spot. Maybe Alec Bohm is your number two hitter, hit, making a lot of contact from the right side. And then maybe you go back to the left with Schwarber. So so that way, Schwarber is kind of taking the spot in the lineup that Bryce Harper went had, once had. Then all of a sudden behind that, then you can go Hoskins. And then beyond that, you can get into to, to Real Muto, Castellanos, however you want to set it up. And then all of a sudden you feel so much deeper. So uh, when Schwarber is back in this lineup every day, I would keep Stott. Uh, you know, the kids hit over 300 for, for the last five weeks at this point. He's kind of showing that he's coming into his own. I would leave him right where he is. In fact, that might be his landing spot for the future. So why not? If he's if he's arrived, keep him there. Uh, let's get back to some of the uh, questions uh, in the mailbag this week. Uh, thoughts on Nick Maton. Is he an everyday player? Um, is he a guy that you see uh, the Phillies look at as an everyday player? I still don't think they have him as an everyday player, but here's one thing the Phillies are trying to do. I think it's pretty clear. Both the lefty Maton and the right-handed Edmundo Sosa acquired from the St. Louis Cardinals. I think they're going to try to make sure they see at least enough of the two of them. Now, it could be that next year they are the backup infielders, and and they they look pretty good uh, since they've been in that role this year, as they are. But it kind of gives them some options. You know, one really nice thing about Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott coming into their own and really locking themselves into positions in this infield, all of a sudden, you really only have to worry about one spot in the diamond, and that would be either second base or shortstop. You have some flexibility. And if they show that Edmundo Sosa and Nick Maton are performing up to, up to what you would expect, who knows, maybe they can platoon at second base. Uh, maybe one of them kind of emerges as, as an everyday player. I don't know if they're going to have the total chance to do that in this remaining time, but I think that they can at least put a thought in the back of the Phillies' mind that they might have something there with either player. Now, some reports out there have been that the Phillies might spend on a middle infielder this offseason. Uh, you know, you're just shy $30 million with what Gene Segura and, and Didi Gregorius are making this year. That's enough money for a big-time player. Uh, might they be in on a Trey Turner? Perhaps. Uh, that would be that would be pretty nice. I, I think people would be very happy to have Trey Turner on the Phillies. Uh, but there's a lot of other shortstops that could be out there. You could have an opt-out from uh, Carlos Correa. Or, uh, there, there, there are some options. Uh, it could be an opt-out, uh, Bogarts in, from Boston. So there could be some nice players out there. But but you know what? If they're all, if they're all kind of performing, maybe they can allocate that money elsewhere because that's a nice thing to have is two players coming off the books that both equal about $30 million. So thanks to Stott, who can play either position up the middle. Thanks to Alec Bohm taking a hold of third base and running with it. They've got some real options. Uh, about a minute to go here, Frank. Last question from Danny wants to know, uh, Phillies are right now, they're a wild card team. They would play the Braves in the first round. Then they would have to beat the Dodgers and most likely the Mets. Can this Phillies team get through the Mets and the Dodgers? I mean, you can make an argument the Phillies pitching is actually top end better than the Dodgers. Da- you know, the Phillies won four out of seven against the Dodgers this year, right? That That's a seven-game series that the Phillies could win. Uh, the, the Phillies hung with Max Serger and Jacob deGrom, right? Now the Phillies took one of them. They lost the other. Unfortunately, they lost that Wheeler start. 
you know, Wheeler might be better in a playoff game. Who knows? They can hang with the Mets. But one thing I one thing I will say is, you know, back in 2017, 2018 with the Eagles, when the Eagles made the playoffs, they were the underdogs for everything, right? So I just decided that year, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to watch. Whatever happens, happens. And it was a heck of a lot of fun. The Eagles were hot. They won. Major League Baseball, sometimes the hot team is the hey, one. Hey, the Phillies had the best moves. pitching in 2011 and didn't win. They got beat it's by true. the Cardinals when, uh, you know, Carpenter outdueled Halliday. So you and, could have the I'd better pitching. 2008, I thought the Cubs were better than the Phillies. But guess what? Dodgers took them out. Phillies took care of the Dodgers, and, and they were on on to the World Series. Frank Close, ESPN.com. For more on the Phillies, go to our website, Phillies Reds. Game two tonight. All right, Frank, we'll talk to you, bud. Good to talk to you, Mike. As always, check out Philly's mailbag. Frank's Philly's mailbag over at 973ESPN.com. Hey, right now I'm going to take caller number 7, 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller 7, you are entered to win the Eagles road trip. You are entered to win the Eagles road trip to Washington. Caller 7 right now. Good luck. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash Hour 2. John McMullen is here. Get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort this football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to Gallery in Ocean Casino Resort for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Johnny Mac is here from Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and Sports Illustrated SI.com. We've got full coverage of the Eagles and the Browns. You can hear the game this Sunday on 97.3 ESPN. The coverage at 12, the kickoff at 1. And this game here, John, is way less meaningful than I would imagine the uh, game that will be uh, played during the week, which I guess is uh, these inter-squad scrimmages, right? They're the more important thing that's going on this week than that game on Sunday, right? Browns are going to go about it the same way, but uh, I don't know how Kevin Stefanski feels, but the Eagles have made it pretty clear that they value these joint practices for the starters uh, a lot more than the preseason game. So um, there's no reason or any inkling that that will change this year from last year. Um, so the starters are, are going to get the majority of their work on, on Thursday and Friday in practice. John, yesterday they traded uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He was listed as a tight end this year. He didn't seem to be a part of their plans at all. Uh, so what is now that he he was not in like even uh, on the depth chart? It seemed like he, did he have any shot? Uh, so with him gone, what does that backup tight end? What does that tight end position kind of look like now? Uh, he didn't have a shot, and that was one of the issues. I mean, <laughs> it's never a good sign when they're changing your position in your fourth year as a second round pick. That's never a good sign. Uh, when he got to camp, he did, you know, give him credit. He put on about 12, 13 pounds. 
uh, to get his weight up, to prepare for the move. But And we'll see what Seattle does with him. I, ima- I imagine he's going to go back to wide receivers, so, but we'll see how that shakes out. Um, I mean, the irony that he yeah, gets I mean, to play with DK Metcalf is just great. Yeah. Well, that's one where that's a pet peeve of mine because Eagles fans. You know, oh, I believe me. I that. talk about that all the time that, yeah. you know, he was a medical red flag, Metcalf, who was yeah, not only was passed crazy. over by the Eagles, he was passed over by every team twice. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of teams had that red flag on him, and it became the Eagles would have considered him on day three. They put sort of the red flag uh, uh, until day three of the draft. Um, where they thought, you know, maybe the value would overcome the potential issues. Um, yeah, but they were never considering DK Metcalf. It was never a situation where they evaluated and said, this player is better than this player. He was not even in the conversation. The real conversation was between <clears throat> J.J. Arthega Whiteside and Paris Campbell. Uh, those were the two players they were down to. And, you know, they both haven't really succeeded. Um so uh, you could argue it wouldn't have worked either way. Uh, it's a disappointment, but I, I do think there's a lot of revisionist history, like the Eagles reach for J.J. Ortega Whiteside. Eh, not really. He was going to get picked in that range. Uh, he was a very good college player. You know, you got people like Mel Kuyper who said he could be a first-round pick, could be a late first-round pick. And, you know, I, there's, I, I hate that revisionist history, but um, – it didn't work out, and, and I'm happy. Actually, J.J.'s a good kid. I'm, uh, I, you know, he needed a change of scenery. Hopefully he can turn things around out there. And the Eagles got uh, value at a position of need, but we started talking about tight end. That's another position, safety, and they addressed it with this trade at least a little bit, getting a, a potential body in there with uh, Ugo Amadi. Um uh, another potential body at safety, uh, but tight end and running back. Those are the other two positions that they could use some help at. And, you know, the guy who has kind of stood out in camp is, is Noah Tungiai, Um And that wasn't supposed to be. They were hoping Grant Calcaterra would sort of seize the position as a rookie, but he got hurt very early in camp. He looked good early. Uh, but then he had a hamstring and he can't get back. And that's, you know, that, they got to wait for Tyree Jackson. Jack Stoll's okay as a blocker, but he's not going to give you much help as a, um, as a receiver. So we always talk about depth in this league and everybody has issues when good players go down, but there is not a bigger difference between starter and backup on the Eagles than Dallas Goddard and tight end too. I mean, it is just a Grand Canyon-sized <laughs> chasm. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember who it uh, was. Maybe Tim McManus, I think, asked today to Shane Steichen, a position battle that has gotten his attention. Uh, is there a position battle in on the offensive side of the ball that you're still watching closely? Uh, no, <laughs> not as for the starters. Uh, there's plenty of uh, competition for the backup. But, mm-hmm. you know, the one we were all looking at was uh, right guard at the beginning of camp, and that just never manifested itself to the point. I mean, Jack Driscoll played well at right guard last year, so a lot of us thought, well, Isaac, had, you know, he gets paid a lot of money. 
he's been injury prone uh, the last couple of seasons. He's moving from left guard to right guard. That might be a potential battle. Um, hasn't hasn't manifested itself. I, I don't think Jack Driscoll's gotten one snap at right guard yeah. in this camp. He's been strictly the backup right tackle between Lane Johnson. He's not performed well, to be honest. Looks to me like he's a better guard than tackle. The Eagles seem to think the opposite. Uh, but Isaac nailed down that position. And I guess you, you could say third receiver, but to me, it, it comes down to what what's give me uh, the situation in the game, and I'll tell you who's going to play. You know, if the Eagles are down seven, ten points in the fourth quarter, you're going to see a lot of Quez Watkins. Yeah. If the Eagles are up seven, ten points in the fourth quarter. You're going to see a lot of Zach Pascal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it sounds. Um like a lot of things are kind of settled. Are there roster? How many roster spots on offense are up for grabs? I mean, are we looking at uh, guys who we've never, you know, that, that people aren't familiar with, or do we think that most of the offensive roster spots are pretty much uh, tied up right now? Uh, pretty much. I mean, backup tight end, as I said, is an interesting one. How do they go there? Do they want to just default to Grant Calcaterra? I, I don't know. I mean, that's a six round pick and people act like he's, you know, entrenched. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can trust him. It might be a situation where, you know, you keep a, a Noah Tungi eye early in the season and then if Tyree Jackson's able to come back, you make I guess that Richard Rodgers is always uh, a, a possibility too, right? Yeah, Richard's you know, you know always there. He's sort of the break glass in case of emergency. I think they would like to move on from Richard Rodgers, but maybe they can't because they have so many issues there. Uh, you know the depths on the offensive line. Camp Jurgens. the assumption is Jason Kelsey's going to be back. Uh, Driscoll's obviously going to be there. Sue Opet is going to be there. Andre Dillard, if he doesn't get traded. So they have tremendous depth there. There's not really any push. Um, uh, uh, running back, you know, it's, you know, they could, they, they need a fourth running back. I find it very hard to believe that this team is going into an NFL season with three running backs over 17 games, especially when you think about Miles Sanders' injury history. So while you know Sanders and Gainwell and Boston Scott are going to be here, you need a fourth running back. And I, I, I don't think that guy's in the roster yeah. right now. Yeah, I no. Look elsewhere. I, I agree with you on the the running back thing, and and how much uh, you know we haven't seen Sanders is kind of banged up. We haven't got a chance to really you know uh, see how they're going to split the time up because Gainwell and Scott have also been banged up. Yeah, I, they've all been. Miles was out today with a hamstring. Uh, Kenny just got back after missing a, a couple practices in the game with a hip injury. Boston finally got back in a limited fashion from his concussion uh, today. So they've all been out, in and out. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear Miles is going to be the lead back, um, and Kenny Gainwell is going to be the hurry up back uh, and the and the third down back because of his uh, pass-catching abilities. Uh, the interesting part to me, though, is the, the goal line or sh- and short yardage back. In camp, it's been Gainwell, which he's not good at it, and nor should he be good at it. Um, now, there's a lot of the fault 
setting and rightfully so that anybody can run behind this line. But in a lot of ways, I think that the real short yard is back on the Eagles is Jalen Hurts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously he adds another dimension to the game there. And um, what do you have? Ten rushing touchdowns last year, Hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's got a he's, he's, he's tremendous at it. So. Right, he's got a knack for um, finding the end zone. Yeah, so uh, that I, I, you know, it's it's a little unconventional, but I'm not concerned about that short yarded stuff because of the presence of Jalen Hurts. If it turns into you know, Gardner Minshew or something like that, and he would have to play due to an injury, then you might have a problem yeah. because they don't have a short yardage back who can just move the pile. Uh, let's flip over to that defensive side of the ball. And obviously, um, Steichen spoke today. We'll probably get more when Gannon speaks tomorrow. But uh, same kind of situation on that side of the ball. Blankenship's a guy you've brought up on the show a couple of times. And I'm wondering, you know, how <laughs> how realistic is it that he's a guy that m- may get a lot of snaps this year just based on that safety situation that is kind of unknown? I don't know about a lot of snaps, but he's legitimately in the conversation to make the team. Um, uh, one thing about, and this is not just Howie Roseman, this is every single general manager in this league, almost to a team, they're keeping a one, at least one undrafted guy. At least one. They do it every year. Um, part of it's an ego thing. Look, look what I found that nobody else found. Um, so somebody's making it. And I think a lot of us thought, hey, the Eagles gave Carson Strong 320 grand, the most of any undrafted free agent. He has a good chance to beat out Reed Sinet. Not even close. He didn't get one team rep today. I thought, you know, they might start giving him more team reps after Reed didn't perform well in the preseason game. Didn't even get one. Um, so he seems buried. Uh, the two guys who have sort of started to come up the depth chart are Blankenship and, and Josh Joe, right. the corner out of Alabama. Um, and, and Reed, we talked about tight end. Marcus Depps was out today with back injury. And, boy, uh, I mean, next to Anthony Harris, they tried Josiah Scott. They tried Reed Blankenship and Kayvon Wallace. All of them got first-team reps. They don't have any confidence in anybody there yet. It's one of the reasons they picked up the kid from Seattle as well. He'll get thrown into the mix uh, pretty quickly, I would imagine, in Cleveland. He was there today uh, but did not practice. Um, they They need some backup safeties. And the interesting thing is Tchaikovsky Tart, who's played a lot of football in this league, he can't. He can't get off the third team. Right. Well, how much of that is because he just hasn't been available? Well, he did miss. Uh, I think it was three days uh, for personal reasons. But he's been back for a few days now, and he's still on the third team. Mm-hmm. And and remember, it, it, Epps is not out there. And 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 today, and and he still didn't get bumped up. Right. It was the other guys they were looking at. And uh, Jared Maiden, who's also a down uh, down the depth chart safety, he was out today with an injury. Uh, so they had a numbers problem as well, and he still didn't get meaningful team reps. I was talking so. about this the other day, John, how it seems like, 
you know, these teams every once in a while, they'll sign a veteran player and you just like take for granted that he's going to make the team and then help them. And they end up just cutting them, and you're and and you know they don't end up contributing at all. Maybe Tarts uh, in that in that um, realm where he just is a guy yeah, that, who doesn't have anything left. There, there, there's only two ways you can look at it. One is the most likely what you just said. The other is they know completely what he is, and they're not worried about it, and they want him as a backup safety. They want to just give these young guys all these reps to sort of evaluate them. But I, I don't see that because they, they're not doing it at any other position. Um, he, he's not a veteran here. So, I mean, he, he, he's got no money built up in the bank, so to speak, in Philadelphia. Um, I just think he hasn't performed well. Um, and the Eagles are probably going to move on. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. And then the guy they got yesterday, now he has played some safety. Uh, it's not like he's been a because a lot of people have mentioned you know uh, special teams for him, um, uh, Ugo Amadi, uh, special teams kind of guy. So you wonder too, does that put him above Tart on the possibility of making the team and Wallace and and those guys because he would be a special teams player. Yeah, it does. I mean, the same thing kind of hap- happened last year with Andre Sassere. Uh, when the Eagles picked him up off waivers at, at the cutdown, um, they need help on special teams. They're not a very good special teams uh, a coverage team uh, right now. They weren't last year. They haven't been early this year at camp or in the preseason. So they need guys who can cover kicks. Um, so that will be a big impact. If he proves, remember the trade for Rudy Ford a couple of years ago. Um, you know, people didn't think much about it, uh, but the Eagles have this history of of having players who are just good at special teams. Chris Maragos, most notably, uh, Brian Brayman, guys like that, Najee Good, uh, Rudy Ford was one of those guys. But you, but if they have to play on defense, you're probably up uh, uh, a bit of a creek. Uh, but sometimes you need players like that especially when you're in the bottom five of coverage teams. And if he can play special teams, and I've seen some highlights, and he's and he's got some splash plays and coverage. Um, the key is consistency. I mean, that's why they brought him in Saturday last year. He had some splash plays, but he wasn't consistent. They want that. They want both. They want Chris Maragos, and Chris Maragos isn't, isn't easy to find. No, um, the guys who can be steady and then, you know, help out on special teams. And as you mentioned, the Eagles special teams was a little bit of an issue yesterday. Uh, so uh, making that trade, they're bringing in a player who can legitimately make the team and they're getting him for a guy who was legitimately not going to make the team. Yeah. From that point, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Right. It's a nice, you know. I mean, Howie shouldn't get too much credit because he drafted AJ. Right, right, uh, right. But, right, right. It, it, you know, you're right from the perspective of in the moment, he traded a guy that wasn't going to make the team for a guy who might make the team. And that's that's got to be looked at as a positive. Uh, real quick, John, on the linebacking spot, how would you kind of break down, in your mind, the playing time? It, you know, is it like uh, Edwards and... Um, a white getting 80% of the snaps and the other guys get 20 or, or do you think there's more of a split? 
Um, I, you know, a lot depends on, on, on TJ's ability to stay on the field on, on, on third downs and obvious passing situations. Uh, he's been very good in camp. Uh, he's been very good really since he took over that job, but there's always that, you know, voice in the back of your head that says he can't run. Um, long term, he's going to be exposed and we'll see, um, if teams start to game plan in that direction and start to take advantage of TJ Edwards. Um, if he holds up and I've said pretty consistently, he's the most underrated player on this team. Uh, he's just really good last year when he took over. He's been one of their best players in training camp. He's now turned into what, what I call their, one of their deference players, the guys who only played one, a couple of snaps. Um, or one drive offensively. Those are the deference players. He's one of them now. Yeah. Um, as long as he, he plays like the Eagles expect him to, he's not leaving the field. And well, if he's not leaving the field, um, it's going to be TJ and Kaiser, uh, and the other guys, Davion Taylor and Nicobe Dean. They'll mix in occasionally here and there, but for those expecting Kobe Dean to be a starter, he's he's a fourth linebacker on this team right now. That's a good problem to have. Right. Dare we say the Eagles linebacking is a strength? Uh, I'm not going to go that far because they they don't have a Fred Warner. You know, they don't have a Bobby Wagner in his prime. They don't have a Roquan Smith. Uh, who's on the trade block now, or he hopes to be on the trade block. They don't have that type of player. Um, But I will say it's better than it has been in a very long time. Well, they got an interception from their linebackers in the first uh, game. We've seen them, Kaiser White. So uh, already more playmaking ability than we've seen uh, in the past. That, of course, was uh, the first preseason game. We'll see who plays on Sunday in the second preseason game. Now, John, uh, obviously, as we started this conversation, you got to pay attention to these practices this week because you might get more from them on Thursday. When are they practicing the joints? Thursday, Friday? Thursday, Friday, uh, in the afternoon for some bizarre reason. I think Browns practice at uh, 2 o'clock, uh, 2.10 to be exact. Um, so, yeah, Thursday and Friday, day off uh, Saturday, <clears throat> walkthrough for them. And then the game, the weird preseason Sunday game at 1 o'clock. Yeah, all right. And you can hear that game right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, John, we'll get more tomorrow. Appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks, Mike. Don't forget, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody Mack, as uh, they take you through all the Eagles on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. That's Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. with John and Jody. Sports Pass brought to you by American Airlines and the Atlantic City International Airport. ACY now has your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book today at AA.com. Hey, I have another qualifying name coming up. We've gotten a couple today. We did two in the first hour. Bob Wolf in Galloway and George Awad. They were our first two qualifiers. We'll have another name on the other side. One lucky winner. You'll be heading to Washington. You and a friend. Pair of tickets. Eagles, Washington. September 25th to enter 
go to our website, 973ESPN.com. If I call your name on the other side, you are one step closer to heading to Washington. The trip includes tickets to the game, transportation, pregame tailgate party. It's going to be a big day down in Washington. We're going to be live at Garden State Brewery Friday, August 26th to hand out that winning seat on the bus. Hey, when we come back, Sports Bash, I'm Mike Gill. If the playoffs started today, I got that and Philly's looking to start another winning streak with this lineup. Very interesting lineup. Wait till you hear it next. Now, back to the ESPN. 3.30 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I got the Phillies lineup. It goes a little something like this. Price and Stotts leading off. Playing short. Hoskins is the DH. Batting second. Boom is hitting third. He's at third base. Hall is hitting fourth. He's at first base. Castellanos hitting fifth. He's in right field. Segura hits sixth. He's at second base. Marsh is in center field. He hits seventh. Stubbs is catching tonight. He hits eighth. And Veerling is in right field, excuse me, left field, and he hits ninth. He is uh, your nine-hole hitter tonight. So there you go. That's the Phillies lineup for tonight. For you, Stott, Hoskins, Bohm, Hall, Castellanos, Segura, Marsh, Stubbs, and Veerling. And, you know, I'd say it's a little bit of an interesting lineup tonight. Realistically, I mean, Hall... He's been good. I'm not knocking Hall. He has been pretty good, but he's completely an unknown. Castellanos has been average at best this season. Segura, you know, he's coming back from that injury. From four down, Hall, Castellanos, Segura, Marsh, Stubbs, Veerling. You need a nice night from Gibson tonight, man. And we talked about this earlier. A lot of people starting to bring this up, but we brought this up, you know, last week. Would you keep Stott in the leadoff spot? And, and when Schwarber comes back, he's not in the lineup tonight again, Schwarber. And I wonder if they think, man, we could sneak through this series without using him. Because McGarry brought it up yesterday. He he hit in the game on Saturday or Sunday. Sunday. It was Saturday night. Was it Saturday night? I think it was Saturday night. I thought he pinched it on Sunday, too. So that kind of says they're not going to put him on the injured list because you wouldn't hit him because if you were going to put him on the injured list, you can retroactivate right. uh, activate it. Yeah. So I would imagine Cast um, Swerver's going to be back at some point. But when he comes back, like tonight, you could hit him fourth. You would go Stott, Hoskins, Bohm, Schwarber, and then Hall. Or if you want to break the lefties up, you'd go Schwarber, Castellanos, Hall. Because I would imagine Schwarber would be in left and Veerling would be out of the lineup. And then when Harper comes back, you have another question on your hand. What do you do with Harper and Schwarber? They're both left-handed hitters. So you don't want to put them together. So you go Stott, Hoskins, Bohm. I mean, Scott, Hoskins, Harper will be back in the three-hole. Do you go Bohm, four, Schwarber, five? He's got Real Muto, too, who's not in the lineup tonight. So they got – you add Schwarber and Harper to this lineup, talk about how undeep the lineup is tonight, how shallow, I guess you would say – you add those two bats, all of a sudden, two of these guys are out of the lineup. Stubbs not playing, obviously. You get Real Muto. And Veerling would be gone. 
and Hall would be out because Harper would be your DH. The first thing that's on my mind, Mike, I want to ask you is when Dave Dombrowski said months ago, because remember they were asking him the question the media was about the center field, how, you know, at the time it was only Veerling and Herrera and Moniak. And Dombrowski made the comment of, look, we have spent a lot of money on certain guys to be our best hitters, and we're expecting them to do that. So if that was Dombrowski's original intent, right, I gave Castellanos this money, I gave Schwarber this money, I gave Romuto the contract extension previously, isn't tonight almost uh, an indictment on Castellanos? Be like, dude, you're the guy who got the big contract who's in the lineup right now. You got to go out there and hit. Why would that be an indictment on him? He's the one guy that's in the lineup. No, but I mean, like, he's the one guy that, you know, under Dombrowski's, you know, labeling, he's the guy who has to go out and hit tonight. Like, it's not on Garrett Stubbs or Bryson Stott. Well, I think that realistically, they've been waiting for Schwarber to hit all season. And I think it's one of the reasons why he hasn't come out of the lineup is because they're waiting for him to kind of get going. And we keep having these little, you know, little hints at, oh, maybe he's getting going here. Maybe he's just starting to, and then it kind of doesn't go away. I think Castellanos right now, look, when they signed him, I saw this today. Um, Last year, Nick Castellanos had a slugging percentage of 576. This year, it's 378. It's the eighth largest year-to-year drop in 30 seasons. I mean, he's having one of the worst seasons from one year to the next in league history. So, yeah, I think the return on their investment is very disappointing. And they are trying to find a way to get him going. And that means they're playing him every day. Now, they moved him down. You know, he was hitting third. Now he's down to fifth. But unfortunately... And I said this um, in the opening, I think it was today, was it today? That, can you imagine if Castellanos was anywhere near the guy he was last year in, in Cincinnati? Can you imagine if he was close, giving you close to that production? You'd be ecstatic. Oh, my God. This guy last year, I didn't, I got to look this up, actually. I'm kind of, um... I'm very intrigued as to, did he finish anywhere in the MVP voting? Yeah, he was 12th in the MVP voting last year. 12th! He had 309 with 34 home runs and a 100 RBI. He's not anywhere close to those numbers. So imagine if he gave you anything close to what he did last year. Oh, my God. Well, what makes the situation worse to me, Mike, is he hit seven of his 10 homers and had 28 of his 55 RBIs the first two months of the year. Yeah, in the first two months of the year, he he looked like, wow, they got a guy here. Now that it's hitting season, though, and everybody else is hitting, he just decided that, you know. And I don't know why it is. What is it that Nick has, like, look. The guy he was last year, that's not who he is either. To expect a guy to come here and hit 309 with 35 homers and 100 RBI, I don't think that is something that 
you could have expected. No, but his career averages, for baseball reference, his career average is 276. Yeah, his average season over 162 homers. is 276 with 24 homers and 88 RBI. If you got that from him this year, I think you'd be more than happy with the production he's giving you. But you're yeah. not getting that right now. No. You're not going to get close to the 24 homers. And if you get to 276, that means he got hot at least. Right. Somebody actually brought up the point <laughs> brought the that his batting average, what's he hitting? 2 He's hitting 258 right now. 258 he is hitting right now. He's actually at a higher batting average than Shohei Otani. Otani's got 25 homers, 26 homers. Right, exactly. But he's hitting 254. <laughs> and Otani's got 68 RBI. Castellanos has 55. So they're not all that different in the power, uh, in the RBI production. It's just no, the power just, numbers. Just the power numbers. Right, that has been extremely disappointing. Also, Otani's got other value as well, you know, that, that pitching thing he does. but True. <laughs> but Otani also is one of the favorites for Otani's league MVP. also, what, five years younger? Then Castellanos, like well, I don't care how old Castellanos is right now. I'm, you're looking long term with that. I'm talking about right now in his age thirty season. He has been a disappointment. Last year he was twelfth in the MVP voting, mm-hmm. and right now he is severely underperforming what you thought you were going to get. And right. with that, the Phillies are sixty four and fifty one. I think that's a that's quite an accomplishment for this team to be where they are with a player that, let's be honest, they paid five years, $100 million for. <laughs> they were hoping to get, okay, you weren't 12th in the MVP. Maybe you're top 20, though. And they're not getting anywhere close to that. Look, when he was in Detroit back in 2017... He had 26 homers, 101 RBI, and a 272 batting average. If you got that guy, you'd be happy. If you got that guy, you may be in play for the National League East right now. Uh, Speaking of which, if the playoffs started today, the Phillies are the five. They would play Atlanta, best of three. The winner would play the Dodgers. In the other wildcard matchup, best of three, it would be Cardinals-Padres. The winner of that would play the Mets. So I guess the question you ask is, would you rather be the five and play Atlanta and then the Dodgers? Or would you rather be the six and play the Cardinals and then the Mets? See, that's interesting because I like the Cardinals in the first round better than the the Braves matchup. But as I mentioned to you earlier in the show, Mike, I think the Dodgers are beatable right now because of their pitching situation. Well, who's pitching? You asked me this off the air before the show. Yeah. The Mets have the best two. Correct. Who's got the next best two? Because remember, Walker Bueller's out for the year. Kershaw wasn't pitching that well to begin with. Right. But, you know, we know his pedigree at least. And Kershaw is T, you know, T, till, till further notice, basically. So... You take the Dodgers out of that conversation. The Padres, Musgrove is good, but I wouldn't say he's elite, right? And their next guy is debatable because they have the depth of the starting rotation, but they don't have an, an elite 
two guys. The Brewers, Burns is still there, but the rest of the rotation is solid. After Strider, who do you really believe in with the Braves rotation, you know, in, in a must-win game? I would say, and ESPN.com yesterday did um, their award leaders. Um, they've got Alcantara as the leader for the uh, Cy Young. Right. Max Freed, number two. So you can make an argument that the Braves have the best pitcher. So you're going Freed Strider. Is that what would be your two? I'm just giving you the, the what they how they ranked them in terms of their whatever mathematical formula that they came up with. Now, <laughs> Freed right now, odds-wise from Caesars, he's third. Alcantara's the favorite. Um, Corbin Burns is two. Freed is three. Wheeler is four. Now, according to... ESPN.com's award index, Alcantara's one, Freed is two, Aaron Nola is three, all right, uh, Carlos Rodon is four, Max Scherzer is five, Zach Wheeler is six. Now, keep in mind, DeGrom is not here because he has not pitched, essentially, all season long. So, you could say, all right, Nola and Wheeler are three and six, Scherzer is five, and if DeGrom was pitching all year, you can make a strong argument that he's he'd be one even one or two. Yeah. Right. So we're giving the Mets the first one. Who's the second best one-two punch? Right. According to this award index, it looks like it's the Phillies. According to them. I just, I'm trying to think of and you know, be objective about it because, you know, there's going to be the Met fan out there or whatever fan base be like, well, you're just saying that because the Phillies are your team. No, I and mean. I, I'm, and I'm trying to be objective and say, well, if it's not the Phillies, who else could it be? But this goes back to the question. Which road is the one you'd want to go down? Braves, Dodgers, or Cardinals, Mets? And I would say that, you know, based on like that the- index, you don't want the Braves, right? Because you don't want Freed Strider on that index. You would get Wainwright. Now, keep this in mind, too. You have a winning record against Cardinals this year. Keep this in mind. Depending on, and I talked about this in the Open today, the Phillies are now six games up on the Giants and two and a half games up on the Brewers. Right. They are starting, this is where separating yourself from the pack, the fourth team and the fifth team is key. You don't want to be playing games in the last week of the season where you need Wheeler and Nola to pitch in those games. Right. You want to have your spot locked up, and then I don't care if I'm four, five. You're not getting four. I don't think you're catching the Braves. But I don't care if I'm four or five or six. If I have to play the Braves in the first round, great. If I have to play the Cardinals in in the wild card, great. Because let's be honest. Facing the Mets or the Dodgers, you're the underdog regardless. There is no I'd rather play, right? I but my my if you asked me if I could pick my road, if all things were equal, Cardinals first round, Dodgers second. Round. That's where I would. Go. How would you guys do it? Which teams worry you the most in the National League? Mets, Dodgers in the DS and then in the wild card Cardinals, Braves. That seemingly is 
But I don't think you're going to play the Padres. I think you're playing either the Braves or the Central team. Correct. Sports Bass, live, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, give me a seventh caller right now, 609-403-0973, Oh, excuse me. I'm giving the wrong number. 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. Give me the seventh caller on that number right now. You're qualified for the Eagles road trip to Washington, thanks to Philly Sports Trips. 609-573-3776. Seventh caller right now. You're going to be entered for the road trip to Washington. Caller 7, good luck. Now, back to the spree. ESPN. Nine to the top of the hour. Congratulations to uh, David from Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Hopefully, David uh, will make it on Friday, August 26th. You can stop down. Happy hour Friday. Hang out at Garden State Brewery. He wins that trip. He's going to be heading to Washington to see the Eagles. And the Commanders. Now, he's from Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Is he a Commanders fan or an Eagles fan? He didn't give me that information. Like in between. I was was more, you know, focused on, hey, man, you know, you going to be there? We'd like to have you there. You know, we we love our Delaware listeners. But, you know, if you're a qualifier, we need you to be there at Garden State Beer Company. Yeah, I don't want people qualifying who then don't show up because you're taking someone else's spot who could have won that trip. Exactly. But if David says he'll be there, I... Anticipate he'll be there. Dave sounds like a trustworthy guy. You think so? I think so. I could be wrong, but for right now, I say that. All right. Well, hopefully, David, we see you out there at the uh, Garden State Brewery, August 26th. And uh, one lucky winner is going to be heading to Washington to see the Eagles play the Commanders. And, of course, that's all thanks to Philly Sports Trips. Mike Cassianos cannot hit a right-handed pitcher. He's dead meat on the slider. He hasn't seen a strike in three months. Uh, let's see what the splits say to that comment right there. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just wondering what he's hitting against right-handed pitching. No, the splits would say you're wrong. Um, actually, no. Yeah, the splits would say he's hitting 258 against righties with 10 homers. All of his homers have come against righties, which is very odd. That is very odd, especially for... Hold a- on, hold on, no, 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 no. Take that back. Eight of his home runs have come against righties. Still Which is still odd. Eight of his ten homers have come against right-handers. He's hitting two forty-one against righties. He's hitting three eleven against lefties, which, you know, which is normal that you would hit higher against lefties than righties, but the two forty-one is the problem. Now, the text message had talked about his inability. I'm not debating this. Like, I think he's been disappointing. He has been highly disappointing. Here's this big problem. In 361 plate appearances against right-handed pitching, he has struck out 92 times. You know, he's just as he cannot hit uh, that outside pitch. He has really struggles with the ball on the outside part of the plate. Um, and you almost get to the point where if he's hitting 241 against right-handed pitching, dare you say you would just go with a platoon I don't you see would that. Think. I don't see that happening I'm just saying I don't see it happening either but 
you know, statistically, you could make that argument. Let me see. That's him this year. Let me see what his numbers are for his career against right-handed pitching. See, in his career against right-handed pitching, he's not that bad. 268, which is serviceable. If he was hitting 268, you wouldn't be. I mean, he's only hit 258 right now. We're actually we're acting like the guy's hitting 208. 258 is probably. I don't have the guy's averages in front of me right now. I'd venture to say that 258, which is what Castellanos is hitting, is probably one of the highest batting averages on the entire team. Am I wrong about that? I gotta pull it up. Hold on. I was I was looking for something else in his splits, but give me a sec. The highest batting average on the team is Bohm at two eighty seven. Harper was three eighteen. Right. Ramoto's two sixty one. Segura's two seventy eight. Then Castellanos is next. Castellanos has what the third or fourth highest batting average on the, in the on the entire team. Yeah. Paul's hitting two sixty seven. Scott's hitting .225, Schwarber's hitting .211. Schwarber's got the lowest average on the team, and everybody loves him. Right. Because he hits the ball over the fence, and that's Cassiano's problem. Cassiano's was hitting .258, but his home runs were doubled right now. By the way, Hoskins, .249. That's less than Cassiano's. Hoskins has 54 RBI. Cassiano's has 55. Cassiano's has 23 doubles. Hoskins has 21. I mean, they've hit almost the same amount of times, too. So the big difference is 24 homers for Hoskins. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Uh, Podcast and it is brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games in Ocean Casino Resort for the football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite teams. Go to the Gallery in Ocean Casino Resort and go for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Adam Kaplan is in, I believe, Carolina uh, for the Panthers and the Patriots. They are having their joint practices there before he heads to Cleveland for Browns and Eagles, and he joins us right now for Football at Four here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Adam Kaplan, what's up, buddy? Yeah, good to talk to you. Actually, I'm in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Oh, they're up there. My bad. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, yeah, I just saw uh, practice ended about uh, two hours ago where the uh, the Patriots are hosting the Panthers uh, for two days before the game on a Friday night, and uh, it was actually a spirited practice. It was... Of all these practices, Mike, uh, this is the first time I've seen fights this summer. And uh, actually, unfortunately, uh, as Matt Rule talked about, the uh, it's good to see Matt, uh, the former Temple head coach, is now the, of course, the Panthers head coach. Uh, they had a rule. Anyone who gets to the fight gets chucked. So uh, two Patriots receivers were thrown out. Kendrick Bourne is one of them. It was more or less one of their starting receivers. And uh, that was disappointing. Yeah, that was disappointing. But a lot of action today. Yeah, we know that uh, these joint practices, uh, many teams value these 
uh, more than they do these preseason games, right? And the Eagles are one of those teams, it seems like. Yeah, in fact, Mike, it's funny you say that because I was thinking that maybe that they don't have to play um, you know, any starters uh, this week uh, because I'll be there Thursday and Friday in Berea, Ohio, and coaches will tell you um, a lot when they have these joint practices. If they go well, uh, more or less, they, if they think they got great work in, why would they give them even more work two days later, which is you know more physical, and why expose them? So we'll see, but... It wouldn't surprise me because of this if the starters are held out or most of them are. Well, we did see the Eagles play on uh, Friday night, obviously, and now they start to work on that roster. They made a trade yesterday, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. <laughs> they made a couple of uh, roster moves over the weekend, uh, waving a couple of players. So we're starting to see them whittle their way to 85. And then, of course, uh, we can comment a little bit more on the, the end of the Ortega-Whiteside era. Uh, not a good one for him. And the player that they got in return, Ugo Amadi. Yeah, Mike, it's really interesting. I, I, I know Jeff told you the story, so I, I, I called Mosher yesterday, m- late morning. I said, it's one of these, Jeff and I call each other a lot. We share information sometimes, and we kind of laugh sometimes when we hear stuff. I said, I know you're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna throw something at me, but the Eagles are shopping Ortega Whiteside. And he laughed, of course, he laughed. Uh, I see one of the teams told me. And I said, you know, I said to this team, which I didn't tell Jeff, but I could, you know, I could talk about it now. Uh, I said, hey, were you, did you offer anything? Were you interested? He goes, no, we were not interested. <laughs> they know that. They said they don't see him as a, you know, they didn't see him as a tight end. They know he's a decent special teams player, but that would not keep him on the team. And they, they, because what you do is at this time of year, Mike, it's interesting. You, because everybody has to drop five players, you, you, you know, you're, you, you have what are called trade calls. You're, every team talks with, we, with each other this time of year. They always do. And you want to know who are these players before you cut them or any, you know, see if there's any interest. To, it, it, would you have any interest in these players? And they say no, which is almost certain to be the case. They just, they waive them if they're not vested. If they're vested, their, their contract's terminated. So the Eagles, uh, you know, obviously were shopping them and somehow, some way, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, like the player. They, they certainly don't need him as a receiver. The Seahawks are super deep at receiver. Uh, tight end, I mean, I guess, cause he's, it was making the conversion. They've got a lot. Of, they've got a lot of tight ends. At best, he'd be their fourth tight end. I, I, I doubt that he makes their team. He's never say never. But they certainly don't need any receivers. In fact, you got Metcalf, Lockett, Freddie Swain. They like D. Eskridge was their second rounder last year. You might remember Marquise Goodwin, the former Eagle great, uh, who was as you remember he opted out, so he never played for the Eagles. Penny Harder was with the Eagles years ago, so they really don't need him to be receiver. So you you would have to ask yourself, Mike. What what are the Seahawks? What were they thinking? Because the only team to to do this was the Seahawks, from what we understand. So I don't know. They obviously won them for some reason, but it's going to be hard for them to make the team. Right, and in return, the Eagles get a player in Ugo Amadi who has actually yeah. been on a field. He has played snaps on defense, but is also a pretty good special teams player and has some versatility. So you would think that the Eagles gave up a player in Ortega Whiteside that wasn't going to make their team for a player who has a good shot to make their team. Yeah, we, we are going to have some great stuff for you Thursday morning. We, uh, we got a great scouting report from our sources on this, so we're going to release that Thursday morning on the show. But yeah, look, you got a guy, I think you framed it right. You got a guy who's got a much better chance. Our take away has much of a chance as you do to make the Eagles roster. He was never going to make it. Uh, he was a, in fact, if you graded their players one to 90, if you put them as a 90th player, you can figure out what that means. I would not have argued with it. It just never worked. I, I maybe you you know your Eagles historian Mike. Maybe you could remember. I cannot remember 
other than Jaquan Jarrett, a, 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 a first or second round pick in the last, I don't know, 15 to 20 years that literally from day one didn't have it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure your listeners could could figure it out. Yeah, and people love kind of yeah. people love kind of uh, trying to go through down memory lane of. of I can't. I, 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 it's funny. Like I'm at practice. I'm at another team's practice. And I'm actually thinking about this thing because I knew we we're going to do the segment. I, I Jarrett was a, here's the difference though. Jarrett, they were both second round picks. Uh, Jarrett was at I believe in 2011 out of Temple. Jared at least went someplace else and could play, though. The Jets, right. Yeah. But exactly. He revived his career, stayed there for a little bit. But going back to the Eagles situation, he was he didn't do anything from day one. Remember he remember his deal. He was a, maybe the best tackling safety for the draft, but the Eagles learned a valuable lesson. You do not draft box safeties early. That was a mistake. Yeah. You're talking and about a second-round pick, right? That, that, couldn't, right? that couldn't play. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And, and Arthago White said, I'll say this. Uh, here's what I was wrong. I, I I remember we Jeff and I did our show. We said at the very least he's going to get on the field and help him uh, in the red zone because he's, he's a good big test and catch guy. The analytics say that he didn't do anything. He, I, I can't. I, I remember he stood there against the, the Lions maybe in his first or second season. He just stood there like around the forty or forty five yard line and caught a ball. But I'm telling you, the guy did nothing. Specialty, he was a very average special teams player, I was told, by the way. Just so you know, people are trying to blow him up as this great special teams player. I was told not true. Um, overrated by the media in that area. I mean, yeah, he could play. He's decent at it, but he's not great at it. And he, it just, it's, here's the thing, another thing. So many people around the league liked Ortega Whiteside, believe it or not. There are, there are a lot of people that Jeff Mosher and I talked to. We are actually at the Combine together. We're going to tell some stories on Thursday's show, which we're going to hold, but I'll just give you a little bit of a hint. You would be surprised at some of the comments we got, positive or negative, on our Thigo White side. So summing up, Mike, a total bust. He completely missed. Yeah. I wish him well. was a good guy. Good guy, from what I heard, but a very bad miss. Uh, and one of the reasons why they've had to address the receiver position lately. Absolutely. My names that I could come up with would be Matt McCoy and Quentin Caver were two terrible second-round picks. There you go. Quentin Caver was a linebacker, right. And the one Matt McCoy, because the late, great Jim Johnson loves smaller linebackers, he also, that's a good one. I would say he, I'd have to go by, go back and see how many games he started. Not but many. I, right, but my point is with Arthago White said, I can't rem- remember a time that a guy was drafted for a specific purpose other, other than Jaquan Jarrett and literally offered that did nothing. Zippo. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, it's hard to believe. And he, the other story, we reported this three years ago. The Eagles actually had a trade worked out. Uh, they're working with a trade with the Jets. If Miko Hardman was going to be there when the Eagles were going to pick, the Eagles had a trade worked out with the Jets. And unfortunately, the Chiefs took him. And the, the Jets backed out. And I don't recall now. This is uh, four years ago, three, four years ago. I don't remember exactly what, you know, what did the Eagles look. Was their board different? What if they taken Arthago Whiteside, even if they traded down? I can't answer that. Right. But they definitely were working on a deal to not take Arthago Whiteside there. But. The, the trade didn't work out. All right. Let's uh, get some intel on preseason game number one. Some of the things that uh, you heard after, um, you know, we saw a, a successful first team. I mean, they went down the field and scored. They were up 14 to nothing. Uh, so what are some of the things that we heard, or you heard, I should say, uh, about preseason game number one? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what was, was interesting about this game, Mike is they just went right down and scored an offense. Uh, it, it, 
his coaches will tell you that they they would love it because most teams only want to play their starters if they use them in all one or two series, and that was the Eagles' plan coming in. And right when they went down the field, the head coach did the right thing, pull everybody out, which he did, except Jurgens. You know, he he played for most of the first half. I think he might have even played in the second half, but nevertheless, uh, look, they went right down and scored. It wasn't perfect. I know people are killing Hurts for a couple things. I think it's a little bit too strong. Still six for six. Made an incredible throw to um, to Watkins, uh, where Watkins mirrored him. It was a great throw. Uh, the, the, my only issue is he had uh, on the first check down to uh, to Sanders. He, he had he had got it wide open. He saw him, but he just didn't throw it. But other than that, he was really good. Oh, look, six for six is great. Uh, their line was great. Uh, the, the, I know the Jets didn't play all their stars on defense, but hey, Sauce Gardner was out there. They executed well. Remember now, uh, Landon Dickerson did not play. We know Kelsey did not play. So Pettis started. On defense, Milton Williams started for Hargrave. Their defense also looked good. They, I think, uh, you know, if you're an Eagles fan, both sides of the football look really good for the terms of the starters when they were in the game. Uh, real quick, some quick Eagles news. Uh, Jimmy Moreland has been uh, released. So some of their cuts are starting to come down. they got to get down, what, to 85? Yes. Yeah, Jimmy Moreland, we were told, had a slight ankle injury. And he just came back. He just came back to practice. It's too bad because um, he's a guy they really thought that would push for the, that fifth quarterback job. But right. uh, as we outlined, Josiah Scott's the one. He's the reason why he's not there anymore. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you take a look at some of the offensive intel from that game. You mentioned, you know, Hertz, Reed, uh, Reed Sinet was a guy who we had heard good things, but he really struggled in his opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, maybe uh, earn a spot on this team. Boy, that was, yeah, and look, I understand, you know, this is a game and it's different speed and you also could get hit where in practice you cannot get hit in any practice. The quarterback, that's why he wears a red jersey. And he, I, I you know, I give Sirianni credit for, for admitting that he was nervous because he, he looked like it. He, it was kind of surprising he looked as bad as he did. So now, and then he settled down and did better. Mm-hmm. They have real hope for him as a third quarterback, Mike, whether he's on the practice squad or maybe, it, or just if they keep three quarterbacks, because remember now, Minshew's contract's up there after the season, and they don't have a number two quarterback for next year, whether or not Hurts is the quarterback at all, you know, the starter at all. They just don't know who the, the number two would be. And this kid's got a big kid, he's got a good arm, and a, uh, he's done everything the coaches have asked. And I'm anxious to see how he looks this week in practice, in the joint practice, and obviously in the game against the Browns. Uh, what about Huntley in the game he had? Because, you know, there's so many injuries at that spot. Uh, did he do something that's saying, hey, we got so many injuries. Look at what he did. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was like, 20 touches? <laughs> Where did this come from? Now, that look, he's, this is his third year with the team. They got a good look at him. Uh, Sanders now has a hamstring injury, which is that's really disappointing with all the soft tissue injuries he's had. And you, you look at his situation. Uh, and the Boston Scott with a pretty significant concussion, you know, he, he's missed over two weeks. Hopefully he'll be better soon. That, that's why they signed the kid DeAndre Torre. He only played one snap on special teams, so yeah. Uh, and game well with the hip, so yeah, he had to play a ton of snaps. And, uh, you know, Sanders looked good, by the way, before he, you know, before he left the game, but now he's got a hamstring injury. Uh, so Huntley, they're getting a good look at him. Um, he, it's still highly unlikely he makes a team. He, he's got to be more than a special teams returner. You know, as uh, GM told me on their on my tour here, he said it's hard to keep a guy that can only do one thing. In today's NFL, teams, they don't keep a lot of – if you're a specialist, that's great. 
but you got to be doing more than one thing. Uh, it, it's just rare for a team just to keep a guy who do one thing. So Tyler and likely Huntley will make it. I, I don't see them keeping more than three running backs on the 53. Right. I could see him be on the practice squad, however. Uh, Adam Kaplan, football at four. Uh, the wide receiver, you know, we, we still are uh, seeing if anybody separates there. Uh, Rager got the start for Smith in the game because he did not play, but Smith is back at practice, so that's a good sign. But Deion Kane, we heard a lot about uh, Britton Covey. Uh, he, you know, uh, banged his thumb up in that game, but Kane actually had the second most snaps in that game on Friday night. Yeah, in fact, if the Eagles are able to trade Jalen Rager or not, they just they don't want to trade him. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, that would open up for Deion Kane to possibly make it. You know, he's a guy that I know Nick Sirianni really likes. In fact, Sirianni was there when uh, Kane tore his ACL with the Colts. It's taken him a long time to get the knee right, but he, he's a guy's got a good frame. It's been a good story here to, to, to challenge it. it. He should be. I mean, based on the way he's practiced, he should be one of the guy, guys who's down to the 53. It should be going out on the wire whether he makes it or not. Uh, and then Goddard scored that touchdown, and you know the significance of that was a little bit more of who didn't catch that ball. I thought. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing about AJ Brown is because you know I'm sure you know all the stories from the beat reporters are like, wow, Brown dominates. He's he's number one in pass targets in training camp and all that, and he doesn't get a ball in the first series, which which means absolutely nothing. Who cares if he got if if he got a target in the first series? Only play one series. Uh, but it, it the good thing is though. Goddard, and I love the touchdown because, as you know, he like bounced off the defender. The, the defender made a really weak attempt to tackle him. Uh, but Goddard has had a monster camp. He's had it to be, he's one of my breakout players, also for fantasy. I love him. Uh, and it was good. I mean, look, it was a cover three beater. It was zone. Uh, they found him there, which is what happens against cover three. Uh, left middle, right middle. You should always have someone open down the seam there. And they did. It was a good throw. I mean, great protect. That's the other thing is, the protection on the first drive was really, really good. A couple break, small breakdowns, but they caught it. Uh, they, they were able to adjust, and they did a good job. Yeah, the, the first-team offensive line picked her up right where they left off, and Jurgen stepped right in and looked like he belonged. Yeah, he did a good job, man. He, he, as we noted on our show, he's ahead of schedule. Uh, he really is. Now, this is this is the preseason, but it's still live contact. That, that's the important thing. Because Kelsey won't be ready to week one. He's going to get all the ones this week against the Browns. Uh, Cameron Thomas, the backup center. And that's pretty much it. Jack Anderson could do it as well. Tom took a lot of snaps in this past game. Uh, and Anderson, again, can do it. I'd say Milo looks really healthy, Mike. That's another thing. He looks great. And also, we should mention defensively, Brandon Graham looks fantastic. He, he showed that he's back. It's quite the story, and we hope it continues. Like that. Uh, speaking of defense, uh, the defense dominated the Jets, and, and I thought that uh, that was really, um, you know, the, the Jets are a team. Uh, I think the quarterback's going to struggle. He ended up getting hurt. But uh, yeah. it was good to see that the Eagles defense, we've heard a lot about all these upgrades. Kaiser White had the interception. Uh, obviously, Jordan Davis, we were all looking forward. We saw a lot of multiple fronts. And Nicobe Dean showed that he belonged as well. So I think the Eagles' defense really was uh, a big story in that game. It was. They, they looked really good. Um, that side of the ball is the healthiest of the two sides of their ball, and it showed. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of depth. It's the most depth they've had since probably 2017. Uh, this is the best linebacker group they've had since 17. It's the best young group they've had in several years. And as we were saying on our show that dropped uh, earlier this week, you don't have if, if you're an Eagles diehard or season ticket holder, you no longer have to be embarrassed with what they put out there. <laughs> linebacker, in fact, 
you should be pretty proud. They've got incredible amount of talent. Uh, Jacoby Dean's obviously got late first early record, second round talent. Uh, went in the third round and uh, he was very physical in that game. Showed up, did a good job. Five combined tackles for solo. You mentioned the Kaiser White uh, pick. He's had an excellent camp. He's been more physical than people thought because he's a smaller guy. But you know he went to your school. And uh, look, they they played three down. They played four down. They they disguised a little bit, uh, not much, but just a little bit. Uh, and they're going to disguise a ton this season. And this is stuff they were not doing last year because yeah. they, they, the, they, they, the, they didn't have the defense. They didn't have the They didn't have the personnel. No, they do now, and that's. I have not been bullish on the Eagles like this in years. In fact, that the year, Mike, in 2017, when I picked them to be nine and seven. If someone from the front office said to me, he'd take that, that person did think they'd be that good, and they won the Super Bowl, so who the hell knows? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but this roster's really good. Uh, I, I'm, it, it, it's funny uh, you say it. that, Adam, because yesterday we were at Ocean Casino, and Pete Thompson walked up to the window and said, hey, I put 50 bucks on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, to which Josh said, why would you do that? And I said, well, if he did that in 2017, you would have gave him the same reaction. Of course. And guess what? He would have walked out with 2,500 bucks. And guess what? Their over-under is nine and a half. Right. Uh, plus 110 on, on, on under, which I don't see any way. In fact, uh, I, I would probably pick them to win the division. I most likely will do that when we turn our picks in. Uh, the owners minus 130. Uh, look, they were a nine-win team with an inferior roster. I, I, to this day, I'll never understand how the heck they had a, a record over 500. I know the schedule was great to close the season. Well, folks, Eagles' schedule this year is really good if you just look at the way these teams are based on the rosters. Uh, the Inside the Birds podcast. Check it out on wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Jeff Mosher, and Adam Kaplan. Uh, they've got the Inside the Birds podcast. You can get all their stuff over at InsideTheBirds.com. And football at 4 every day at 4 o'clock. Mosh is back tomorrow as the Eagles will head to Cleveland uh, Thursday, Friday. They will have those uh, uh, inter-squad practices, and then they'll get ready for Sunday at 1 against the Browns. Adam Kaplan's back on Friday at 5 o'clock because Adam will be in Cleveland for those joint practices. So we'll get a live update from Cleveland when he returns for football at 5 on Friday. All right, Adam, we'll talk to you then. Sounds good, thanks. All right, Adam Kaplan. Uh, yeah, Adam will be back on Friday at 5 o'clock on Friday, a special football at 5 for you here on the Sports Bash on Friday's edition. And uh, we'll have Adam live in Cleveland, which is where the Browns and Eagles will have joint practices all this week, Thursday, Friday, here on the Sports Bash. We'll have the updates for you. I'm Mike Gill. Sports Bash, got another qualifying name coming up on the other side. If I call out your name in the next segment, you're qualified for the Eagles road trip to Washington. Thanks to Philly Sports Trips. We've got a couple qualifiers today. We're looking to have your name in the mix. Got a lot of people who have entered this contest, by the way. Appreciate all the people who have been entering. We can only call one name next. Could it be yours? Well, I can't call it if your name is not in the hat. So get on over to 973ESPN.com and enter your name now and listen for it on the other side. Plus, the headlines are next. We see some big stories that are happening. I got a couple stories that uh, I want to chew on a little bit more today. And in the 5 o'clock hour, the PT's here. Get PT's thoughts on Phil's win last night. I want to ask him. Who would he rather face, Braves, Braves, Dodgers, 
or Cardinals-Mets. That would be the path if the playoffs started right now. We'll do that, plus the entertainment, all that and more here on the Sports Fast Live on 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to the Sports ESPN. Hey, I want to congratulate our latest qualifier. Looking for Timothy Scott. Tim Scott, if you're out there, you just qualified. You're entered for a chance to win the Eagles road trip to Washington to see the Eagles play at FedEx Field against Carson Wentz and the Commanders. Tim Scott will see you live over at Garden State Brewery Friday, August 26th for the Sports Bash, where one lucky winner is going to walk out with that trip for two, the tailgate party and all the accoutrements, the tickets, the ride, the tailgate party from our friends at Philly Sports Trips. All right, get into today's headlines, which uh, very interesting stuff that I've got today. See what you got. Well, I got three stories I definitely want to hit on if we can. You mentioned Adam Kappen earlier about the uh, the Eagles and the betting and everything, so I wanted to get to you. The Eagles are one of the largest shifts at the sports books since the start of training camp. So uh, there were several sports books in Vegas that had the Eagles at eight and a half. They're up to nine and a half. It's one of the largest jumps in either direction for the betting shift. Also among the shifts is. Cardinals going from nine and a half to eight and a half. The Commanders going from seven and a half to eight and a half. The Panthers going from five and a half to six and a half. And the Jets going from five and a half to four and a half. Your thoughts? Well, the Eagles from eight and a half to nine and a half. You just heard what Adam Kaplan said. He basically said, I don't see any way they don't win at least 10 games. Um, the Jets, I mean, you lose your quarterback. You don't know for how long. Now, the Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins for, what, six weeks? Six weeks. So that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, the Panthers got an upgraded quarterback, you would think. Yep. So Apparently, Baker Mayfield is worth one win. Oh, and the Commanders. Commanders. Uh, John Kine was on KJM this morning, and he talked about how Carson Wentz is a significant upgrade to every quarterback that they had the last couple seasons so i don't disagree with that i don't i think the the commanders could be that eagles like team from last year the one that's like hey how the heck do they have eight or nine wins i wouldn't be surprised by the way the most bet on over tickets right now in vegas lions six and a half saints eight and a half steelers seven and a half jets four and a half dolphins eight and a half Hmm. What's the Raiders? I didn't say Raiders. Lions, Saints, Steelers, Jets, Dolphins. Hmm. What's the Raiders? Just uh, ask them. Let me scroll down. I'm kind of intrigued by the Raiders. The Raiders are currently eight and a half. Gotcha. Wouldn't be surprised if they went over. They shouldn't have won. They won like eight games last year. Didn't they? Nine, eight games last year? The Raiders? Yeah, they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, and they're, they should be a better team this year. They should. I, I, they're like the Eagles for me. You know, they went out and got the best receiver in football, added that to a team that made the playoffs last year. The Eagles went out and got A.J. Brown. They made the playoffs last year. Those two teams, I think the Eagles did a little bit more than the Raiders did, but the Raiders made the playoffs last year. Oh, that division's ridiculous. 
in baseball and some news of irony for you, Mike. The Padres have announced that September 7th will no longer be Fernando Tatis Jr. bobblehead giveaway day. Oh, wow. And instead has been changed to Juan Soto City Connect shirt giveaway. <laughs> um. So what are they going to just give away the <laughs> bobbleheads next year? I don't know, but apparently they It doesn't have a year on the, the bobblehead. You can just package them up. <laughs> According to Kevin Ace, who covers the Padres out there in San Diego, uh, he, all he knows is that no one will see the bobbleheads this year. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably... <laughs> Put up in storage, right? Yeah, they're, they're just going to cross off a line item for next year. Like, <laughs> oh, we saved whatever they paid for bobbleheads. What do you think a team pays for that? Like, did you see... The ring that PT has? Yeah. Dude, how much do you think that cost? Uh, <laughs> individually or in bulk? Because <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure saying, they got a discount in bulk. Like in bulk, right. It was right. what, was like 10000 of them given away? Still, whatever they paid, th- th- that was a real ring. I mean, how much do you think it was worth? Like 50, I know this. 100? I know this. We got rings for the team that won the World Series. Right. And I know how much they cost. For each individual ring. You think it costs the same amount? If it did, that cost a lot. By the way, uh, apparently I'm reading online that this Juan Soto giveaway is probably is supposed to be like really cool because it's called, called a jersey. It's a shirt jersey. Eh, I like the, uh, the giveaway that's coming up, but they're giving it to kids 14 and under at the <laughs> Phillies game. The JT Real Muto, yeah. uh, it's like a, the front of it is like his chest protector. Yeah. And then the back is like his jersey, but it's like a cooler. Right. I like that. Can I have one of those? PT, can you get me one of those? He got himself one of those rings somehow. Well, it's because he went to that game where they honored no. the 1982. No, he did. Yeah, but they weren't giving the rings out that day. Oh. He knows someone up there that held a ring for oh, him. Oh, well, that. And let me tell you, I don't think that ring was cheap. No, it doesn't look cheap. No, it doesn't look cheap at all. I know. Was PT wearing it yesterday? Uh, last time I saw, we had lunch on Friday. He had it on at lunch. Like my ring, we got rings for the team that won the World Series. Each player got a ring in the coaches. My ring is is in a safe spot. PT had his ring on. I'm not a ring guy, but I definitely appreciate the gesture. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. But it was expensive. That's why it's in storage right now. And I know how much that ring costs. If they paid that for 10,000 rings, now they might have got a discount for bulk. But still, even if you took $100 off of what we paid, that's still, I mean. A lot of money. Yes. I was (laughs) stunned at the quality of that ring. Now, I don't know what they pay for bobbleheads. What do you think costs more to make, a bobblehead or a ring? I'm assuming a ring. Of course, that ring. Did you see the ring? I have seen the pictures of it. It's not even close. That ring, I would is. let's just say ballpark. The ring is in the ballpark of between four and five hundred. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's how much that ring would possibly be. Between four and five hundred dollars. A bobblehead, maybe now they could produce those pretty quickly. I mean, 
Depends. Is it kind of bobbleheads up here? Is it the one with like the the big, you know, like they make these it's, bobbleheads a lot more. I think more. it's supposed to be like the one over the Hamilton one. It's supposed to be like that one. Hamilton? Is it supposed to be Josh? Or is that oh, Hank Blaylock? Blaylock. Oh, sorry. I went to a Phillies Rangers <laughs> game in Texas. I ended up with a Hank Blaylock bobblehead. <laughs> I have a Ron Say bobblehead when I went to Dodger Stadium. So oh. ironic that I ended up with bobbleheads each time I went on the road. Got a Hank Blaylock bobblehead and a Ron Say. I thought that the was penguin. Josh Hamilton. The penguin. I got a bunch of bobbleheads back in my office, too. Oh, my God. Who's back there? I got, like, Nerlens Noel. You have a Nerlens Noel. I remember uh, that, yeah. Iverson. Wilt Chamberlain. I have a Wilt Chamberlain bobblehead back there. But some of these bobbleheads, you know, they're probably pretty mass-produced. I would think so. Um, how about this one? Tiger Woods is in Wilmington, Delaware. He yes. flew to the Philadelphia International Airport. This is this is ridiculous, man. So they're flying Tiger Woods in to meet with PGA uh, Tour players about live golf and the threat that they are posing to the PGA Tour. When you now the reigning Open champion Cam Smith, he is now leaving the tour for live. Right. Things are starting to get serious, man. So Tiger Woods, they're bringing the heavy hitter in to try to talk these guys into staying with the PGA. I don't know if it's going to work. I sent you some audio. I want to play this in a moment. So if you can get that queued up. So on Sunday, reporters who cover Ole Miss football noticed that they've added a new punter to the roster. His name is Charlie Pollock. They also noticed the punter is listed at 6'1 and 250 pounds. Well, it turns out that Charlie Pollock was the number 13 punter in the nation in 2020. You know, that COVID year where everything went sideways? He had originally signed with Nevada at a high school, and he wasn't at Nevada anymore. And when they asked Lane Kiffin about it, this is his explanation for where they found Charlie Pollock, this 250-pound punter. Hey, you guys have also added a punter to your roster. Can you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he was down at the frat house, you know, like at a keg party or something, <laughs> you know, where they got him from. So we've got some conditioning work to do with my guy. But um, we just said, hey, someone go find a punter around campus. And so we found one that actually used to punt in Division One. So, <laughs> Yes, he was at Nevada. Apparently, according to reports, uh, him and Nevada didn't get along very well. He had trouble actually uh, <laughs> making the team because he was busy drinking. I so wouldn't be surprised if teams to Ole Miss. did this more often. <laughs> there was a guy who lived on my floor freshman year, and he was like the third string kicker. No, he never appeared in the game. He never did anything. But he just went around campus telling chicks he was on the football team. Good for him. He was the third string kicker. Does that qualify as being on the football team? Charlie Pollock apparently lost his starting job at Nevada before entering the transfer portal. Uh, the in- interesting thing was, is like I said, he lost his job because apparently he was too busy drinking to make some of the practices. On time. He'll fit right in at Old Miss. He has five years of eligibility for me because he didn't play a single game in Nevada. Here you go. So 
Lane Kiffin, you didn't just find your putter. He's got five years of eligibility to work Can he with. punt it like the guy on the Bills? Oh, nobody's that guy. Arasius is punk god, man. <laughs> From San Diego's state, I believe it was, or San Diego. Holy cow. 80-yard punt? 82. 82. I saw that video. I remember him. So he was the guy who made videos of himself punting and kicking and put them on YouTube. Uh, the NFL Network, Saturday night, Seattle-Pittsburgh exhibition game averaged 2.16 million viewers, beating Fox Major League Baseball coverage of the Yankees-Red Sox in the same window. Worth noting here, this is Anthony Krupe, who tweeted this out. Fox reaches 40 million more homes than the NFL Network, yet more people watch Seattle and Pittsburgh play a fake football game than the Yankees and the Red Sox in a pennant race. Is that concerning? Uh, well, I think it tells you that the state of, uh, of baseball in some ways, doesn't it? Like, listen, I was at an establishment on Saturday night in North Wildwood, and they had three games on all their TVs. They had the Phillies-Mets game. They had the NFL Network NFL game you just mentioned, and they had the UFC fights on ESPN. They did not have Yankees-Red Sox on any of the TVs in the place. Well, what did they have on? They had Phillies-Mets on the primary TVs. Okay. The secondary TVs had the Steelers-Seahawks game on NFL Network. And then the tertiary TVs had the UFC fights on ESPN. Um, How many TVs are in there as a whole? Like, you had duplicate games on TVs? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I can condone that. Well, you know, you have different angles, you know, people at different parts of the bar. Okay, I'd have to see the layout. Because there's an indoor bar, outdoor bar. I'm trying to think, Friday night, where I was, Phillies were on Apple TV+. Plus. I was going to say, they didn't have the Phillies game on. And that was annoying. But I can't blame them. They didn't have Apple TV. They, uh, it was on Apple TV+. Plus. I just sent you the picture of my angle where I was sitting at the bar. Interesting. But there were also TVs. All right, so you only had three TVs. Directly in front of me. Mm -hmm. But there were TVs to my right, TVs to my left, and there were TVs at the outside bar as well. I was inside. But I did a quick look around because I was curious, you know. Well, I went to Phillies. TVs? The Phillies Mets. When that game ended, I went to Yankees Red Sox. But. When uh, Phillies Mets were done. I ran into somebody named Chad who said he's a big fan of the Sports Bash with Mike Gill, and he listens to you and I every day, and he appreciates us. I appreciate him. How about that? There you go. It all comes back together, right? I'm looking at some of the Eagles. Uh, they've waived uh, wide receiver Lance Lenore, safety Jared Maiden, and cornerback Jimmy Moreland. They made two cuts over the weekend. That gets them down to 85, I believe. By the way, the big uh, social media thing right now, Travis Fulgham got cut by yes. the Denver Broncos. Yes, and people are like up in arms that uh, this guy who led the Eagles in receiving just two years ago. Yep. Oh, real quick. Here's my last story. I'm going to throw this one in there, too. Uh, the Sixers are going to be uh, the TNT Thursday night season opener against the Celtics. Did you see that? 
Okay. Run that by me. What are you again. thinking about here? It wasn't all that much. The Sixers and yeah. the Celtics are going to be the TNT opener. Oh, the TNT opener. For the, the, the season opener, October 18th. That will be the first game of the year on TV. That will be the TNT Thursday night debut. Sixers-Celtics. Gotcha. And that game is in Boston. Two nights later, the Bucks will make their season debut. They will be the Sixers home opener in Philly on October the 20th. So the two games so far to open up the season, the schedule comes out tomorrow. Sixers-Celtics on Thursday, Sixers-Bucks on Saturday. Gauntlet. And now we know they play Christmas Day against the Knicks. Kevin Durant might be a Celtic by that point. We don't know what these teams are going to look like by then. <laughs> but I don't, you know, the Sixers are playing the Celtics and the Bucks back-to-back to open the season. It's juicy. Man, talk about a tough road. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, give me caller number seven right now, 609 573 3776 609-573-3776. Caller 7, we're going to qualify you for the Eagles road trip to Washington. Caller 7, you are invited to the party and you have a shot to win an Eagles road trip transportation tailgate party provided from Philly Sports Trips. Caller 7, 609-573-3776. Caller 7, Good luck. We'll see you, Caller 7, at Garden State Brewery on Friday, August 26th for the live Sports Bash. Now, back to Morse on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 452 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Pete Thompson in eight minutes. Tuesday with Thompson. The PT's here. Uh, congratulations to our latest qualifier, Joe Saparito from Ventnor. Not Joey D, that's Joey S from Ventnor. That's correct. Also, this Joe is older than Joey So, Joe Saparito, Ventnor, you are entered for that Eagles road trip. It's going to be a great trip down to Washington, down on the Philly sports trip bus. They're running a bus trip down there. And you won't see Jimmy Moreland on that game. No, Jimmy Moreland released today. A couple others got released. No J Jolly. Well, somebody sent in a tweet, I mean, a um, text message with a picture of the Phillies World Series ring. It looks like it's on eBay. Someone's selling it for 45 bucks. That's pretty cheap. I can't, like, well, if you got it for free. It's right? got to be worth more than that. That's a collector's item, isn't it? Oh, I say fifty bucks is way, forty-five bucks is way too cheap. In fact, I might go buy that. I think you should. But I'm telling you that quality ring. Now I don't know. I didn't see like who made it and all that kind of stuff. Like what company made it? It was just a good quality. It's not like plastic. It, right. it was like actual. It's a real ring. It's a real ring. Yeah, it's not the plastic pop you got when you were a kid out of the machine. They dropped a quarter into you, you turn around, no. and you see what plastic pop you got? Josh got a little too excited about a punt in Buffalo. Get real. I have to agree. Ariaza is a stud. Yeah, well, I agree that he's a stud. I just thought you got a little excited. That's all. It's punt god, man. Uh, I guess him and Pete Thompson love punters. <laughs> 
I love punters who use social media to promote themselves. That's what I love. Well, that's like... Him and Pat um, McAfee are like brothers. Uh, Durham Boss, who made a fake recruiting tape. Right, right. To get recruited to go play football at, where did he go? Like New Mexico State or something? Something like that, yeah. I don't remember what school he went to. But no, Ariaza actually had a legitimate scholarship and everything. So who's better... A better story of uh, the fake recruiting tape. Oh, no, it's Dorenboss, 100%. No, the fake recruiting tape or the frat party uh, beer keg stand guy. <laughs> well, we got to find out the, the beer stand keg, keg stand guy is actually going to be good or not. Oh, I thought you said he was their punter. Well, they, they put him on the roster as their punter, but we haven't seen him punt yet. I'm saying, I, the way you were talking about it, it sounded like as if he had no competition. Like, they didn't have a punter. I need to go find someone on campus. Go get somebody. Hey, there's a guy here. I want to see him punt before I... Uh, Did somebody just walk through the, the the frat house and be like, hey, can you start punting them down the street? Maybe they knew he was already at the... Maybe they were looking through, like, you know, the list of students. They were like, who's this guy? Indian looks familiar. Oh, he's at the frat house down the street. Sorry, what? Go down the street? Maybe he's just sitting there doing a keg stand. Hey, bro, you want to be on the football team? I don't yeah, think they would say, bro. I don't think they were, they were using Pro at Old Miss to go get him. See, you're too excited about the punter. That guy's right. I agree. Uh, Travis Fulgham led the NFL in receiving yards week four through eight of the 2020 season. He has not played an NFL game since. Unbelievable. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, 5 o'clock, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. Pete Thompson's here for a Tuesday with Thompson. It is brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games and Ocean Casino Resort this football season. Cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the Gallery in Ocean Casino Resort and go for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be live every Monday at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean. Here on 97.3 ESPN for the Sports Bash. Each Monday, PT and I will be there live. You can join us there. And don't forget, I will call out another qualifying name uh, coming up in about a half an hour from now. we got a lot of qualifiers. Joe Saparito, inventor, was our most recent qualifier. So congratulations to him. If you want to qualify, go to 97.3 ESPN.com. And all the details will be right there. The PT's here. It's a Tuesday with Thompson. The PT is in the house. What's going on, Peter? Not much, Michael. How are you? Happy Tuesday to you. Beautiful day outside. Hope you got out for a little bit of it. I was out there for a little while. Uh, and I saw another guy wandering around the area. One Tiger Woods, Pete Thompson. Uh, boy, they had to call in the heavy hitters. This Live Golf versus PGA Tour thing's getting real where uh, Tiger Woods had to come in and basically tell these young whippersnappers what's up. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole thing. Uh, they're at Wellington Country Club, where I was uh, not that long ago for the uh, BMW Championship Media Day, and they had Tiger come in to sort of uh, rally the support, you know, uh, basically remind these guys, look, uh, you know, this tour was built on the backs of people before me, and, and it'll be built on people after me, and 
you know, don't be trying to sway yourself over to this live tour. And uh, I think that, you know, some of the people have obviously tried to go uh, over to that tour and are starting to go over to that tour. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Bubba Watson. The money is ridiculous. Um, announcers are going over. David Faraday, right? You know, Jerry Foltz went over. But uh, the reality is, is that the Live Golf Series isn't recognized yet by the official world golf rankings. And uh, wherever you fall in the debate, uh, and I know a lot of people fall on both sides, it speaks volumes that they're asking Tiger Woods or Tiger Woods is asking to come in and sort of remind these guys, look, the PGA Tour is where this stuff was built. You need to stick with what we came from. Well, so I'm wondering, PC, yeah. how much weight Tiger Woods holds to these guys on this tour. Are they just saying, you know, shut up, old man. You're a has-been at this point. Why am I listening to you? Or are his words going to ring with them and say, you know what? He's right. We got a good thing going here. We got to stay because they're obviously fearful that the PGA Tour is going to collapse on itself. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're saying shut up, old man. I think they still understand e even just the, the fact that the, the guy had his own uh, EA game for a while. You know, it is Sunday Red and all that. I still think that he's an iconic figure uh, to many in the game. And I think his words speak a lot. You know, I mean, uh, the fact that Tiger turned down an offer reportedly somewhere between $700 million and $800 million to become and join Live Golf speaks volumes as to how much Tiger believes in the PGA Tour. Now, I've seen other loud voices, including one on this network, you know, Stephen A. Smith came out this morning or uh, reportedly and said that why shouldn't they be allowed to start a secondary tour? That's what America's built on, capitalism and, and competition. And how, how how dare you, Tiger? And I thought, like, okay, Stephen A., you're, you're back. That's fine. You want to come back in a loud voice, have an opinion, whatever. I, I just don't agree with it. I, I think that the, the PGA Tour was built for a reason. I mean, it's interesting when I sit here and talk about this, too, because, like, the PGA Tour in its current form was an offshoot of the PGA of America, right? I mean, it basically, that was Jack Nicholas and other pros. Like, kind of in one sentence, the what the tour is trying to do now is trying to say, don't do what we did to create ourselves. Yeah, but I, I feel like Greg Norman gets so mad about it and others like Stephen A. get so mad about it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. And again, I, I don't think people are are mad about the competition as opposed to where the competition is being derived from. Correct? Yeah, very much so. I Nobody's mean, saying, how is, dare you join another tour as opposed to you got protesters out everywhere. And that doesn't mean the protesters are right, wrong, or indifferent. Everybody's free to do what they want to do. But I think people are more saying, hey, you're going to this tour for the wrong reasons. You're going because of money and where the money's coming from, you know. But it's not – if this was the PGA Tour on one side – and then someone just decided, like, Pete Thompson was going to start the Sports Bash Tour, and people right. started coming. I don't think people would be as up in arms. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the, the fact that this is uh, from the Saudi Investment Fund, and the, the Saudis are the ones that a lot of people blame for 9-11 and everything that goes around that. You know, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, re I read something 
in uh, Golf Magazine about how uh, at TPC Southwind, uh, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Will Zalatoris, they were all gathered around a screen watching this judge rule on the uh, restraining order that was going to allow three live tour pros, Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and Hudson Swafford to rejoin the playoffs, you know? And, and so, I mean, it's it's sort of starting to get personal. It's The line of demarcation right now is that it's one thing if you're going to leave for live. Uh, Mickelson and other people, and, and you left and you want to go, fine. It's another thing if people are like, well, I'm going to leave for live, but I want to. I still want to be available to be in the playoffs. And of course, she ruled that they weren't allowed to compete. That you know, once they they left, they left. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, I would agree with that. Like you, it's like if somebody. Well, I mean, I guess it's it's how like if somebody played in the USFL, they can sign with the NFL. They don't overlap, though. That's the difference. Like if the two tours are playing at the same time. I would agree that you got to pick one or the other. Although, what's to say, hey, this tournament is this weekend. I'd rather play there. And you know what I'm saying? I do. And that was a big point from uh, Mr. Screaming A this morning that, you know, his whole thing was, look, if somebody wants to have a competing tour, like everybody knows that. Uh, there's the USFL and the XFL and all these other kind of tours that, or, or leagues that have started, but the NFL is where it's at. Everybody understands that there's the CBA and, you know, the, the uh, G League or the, whatever these league, you know, opposing leagues are, but the NBA is where it's at, right? Like, you know, so his whole thing was like, if the PGA Tour thinks that they, they ought to be able to withstand the pressure of a competing tour, I think the difference, and I think this is where uh, Mr. Smith, uh, doesn't uh, really go too deep into it is they've never had a, a, a competition come against them with the amount of money and backing that the Saudis have. And then they have unlimited funds and unlimited money. Well, I think that's see that part of it should be inconsequential. It's not like, hey, because they have so much money, it's not fair. Yeah, it's not that it's not fair. It's that uh, what I'm saying is that other startup leagues, like his argument was trying to say that the if you're a strong enough league, you'll survive competition, and that's fine. But if you're a strong enough league, you're not going to survive competition when they're throwing ridiculous. That's why the people are leaving is money, the purses and the money and, and the amount of like, you know, I remember one of the first live events. Pat Perez came in DFL, man, DFL, and he took home a check for like 160000 or something like that. You come in DFL on a PGA Tour event, you, you've you lost money. You've you lost both your expenses to get there, and you certainly didn't cash a paycheck. And, you know, it's just completely opposite to what the tour was founded on. So, I mean, we'll see if Tiger's speech has the effect that he's hoping that it will be. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he is... You asked earlier, will this resonate? He is still, I think, the PGA Tour's biggest ambassador yeah. out there. So for him to uh, to take this step speaks a lot to I, me about where I they agree. think they are. I agree. Like seeing him get off the plane and kind of limp his way to uh, the vehicle, by the way. Boy, he did not look good getting off that plane. Um, I think it's admirable that he's out there trying to talk to these guys. I don't think he's going to get anywhere, though, because ultimately if somebody's hanging that check in front of your face, what are you going to do? Yeah, the phrase is what? Uh, money talks and Tiger doesn't walk. No, money talks and you know what walks, right? That wasn't bad, PT. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Well, I, do. I think it is 
Um, it's it's funny because I was explaining the whole story to my girlfriend the other day, and she was actually intrigued by it. Wait a second. This is kind of like it is an interesting dynamic of here's this other league. And I was telling her how, you know, they have no TV deal. No one wants to touch them right now. But eventually, right. if they have the bigger names, someone's going to ante up and say, hey, if you got Mickelson and Bryson DeChambo and you've got uh, – uh, Cam, there. Someone's going to say we want you on our airwaves. Yeah, and their TV deal is. I mean, it's not the reason they don't that have they're a TV just deal. on YouTube. That the, yeah, but I'm saying the reason that they don't have one isn't for lack of trying. You know what I mean? Like they they've reached out before. They reached out to Paramount Plus is what I've read that you know and trying to get. But that's that's a big thing for me too. I mean, uh, until they can grow past YouTube. I don't think people are going to take it serious. Like, it's great that, you know, David Faraday is going over there. I mentioned Jerry Fultz before. They've, See, I they've disagree with you on that. Place. I disagree What's with that? you on that. I, I feel like young people are watching YouTube, and I don't know that they really put a lot of effort into getting a TV deal. Well, your point, that's a valid point. I mean, yes, uh, people don't watch broadcast TV per se. They're going to watch... Uh, something on their phone, whatever they can watch on their phone. And YouTube, you're going to watch it on your phone. You're not going to watch YouTube, generally speaking, on your giant TV. I, I don't agree your, with that either. This in, morning, for instance, I was watching something on YouTube. And my girlfriend's what? son said, are you watching the television? And I said, no, you can take it over. And he said, oh, you're watching YouTube. I said, yeah. So... To me, I watch stuff on YouTube. Now, I, I, like, to put it on the, t for instance, we do broadcasts, live games. They're on YouTube. People are used to using that outlet as a place to watch games and sports now. And what I was watching is a radio broadcast. Most radios, we used to do our show live on video. People are used to watching things. So I don't think the live was all that worried about getting a, television deal off the jump i think if somebody calls them and says we will pay you to get on our airways i don't think they're going to be like hey we want to be on your airways we're going to pay you to be on the on your airways no they'll they'll take the they'll just stay on youtube well i i think they're still trying to get onto a broadcast network though i still think that that brings them some more legitimacy sure. than just on youtube I, I see your point yes and i do know that that's where a lot of the trending and viewing happen habits are going is youtube tv and finding stuff on your phone and watching it in that format or is in your case watching it on your youtube tv enabled and a lot of people are going in that direction too as they cut the cord i, I just think this uh Live Golf isn't going anywhere. They've got a ton of money behind them. They've got a ton of momentum behind them. Uh, that was just like a, that was just a three putt. Those two guys not winning their case to be able to be in both, uh, have their feet in both the playoffs and Live Golf. Uh, that, that's just a one, one three putt. Then you move on to the next hole and try to make par. So uh, this is huh. going to continue. Uh, Jay and AC chimed. He says, guys, Mike, you're right. YouTube is all we watch in my house. My parents stream live cams from all over the world. Not many people I know watch normal TV anymore. You know, I think that's a little, you know, there are people who sit there, Pete, and just watch. They'll put like live cams in of places around the world and just like 
people watch. You ever see that? Where sure, oh, can, very much. Yeah. I see it right in the radio studios where you and I work all the time. You you walk out there and there's a live stream of the Atlantic City Boardwalk, right? Or how many people have watched uh, or will will daily watch? Like uh, a giraffe's birth is coming, or the pandas are being born, or we're going to. I mean, the the animal things are big. The the people watching is big on YouTube. Sure, people watch stuff all the time, but but to James' well, point, and, other and we're starting point, to see other leagues slowly and gradually get away from being on network television or cable TV. And going to streaming services. So I think the live for where they are right now, I don't think they really care. Hey, we're not we're not even worried about that. That'll come because of the names that we're bringing to our tour. Yeah, I I think they're, you know, I think they're building their momentum. I think they got plenty of money behind them. I I think that they had their protesters and all that stuff at the event that was up at Trump National up in North Jersey, and uh, I think that... Well, they're going to keep getting them. Whenever they're in American golf courses, they're not many. They don't have many events in the States, but whenever they do, they'll probably have protesters out there voicing their displeasure, but here's the problem. The Live Tour is essentially like the USFL, but with bigger names, because they're not playing for anything. They're not playing for points. They can't get on... So they can no longer play in, we don't think anyway, in the major championships because you have to accumulate points to get there. And those events are not allowing them. To be, so at what point are people going to say, I'm just watching an exhibition? I don't know. And you're talking about big money and you're talking about big names. The latest big name that reportedly is leaving the PGA Tour and going over to the Live Tour is the last uh, Open Championship winner, uh, Cameron Smith. Now, Cameron's got a bad hip, so he's not going to be at the BMW uh, Championship in Wilmington, Delaware. He's got a hip issue, but that's the the he's reportedly already uh, signed a contract with Live Tour to, for north of a hundred million dollars. I yep. mean. This guy wins the Open over at St. Andrews, and now he's going to go over well, and go to the see? Live Tour. And you know the Live Tour is growing. 14 global events, $405 million in prize money. I mean, they're not going away. No, they're not. No, they're not. And that's why I say I don't think they care whether they have a TV deal right now because I think they know eventually someone's going to cave in and come to them and say, all right, you've got all the big names. What will it take? And then at that yeah. point, you wonder if some of these – major events will start to say well they got all the bigger names we need them in the masters we need them at the u.s open we need them at the british well and that's that that's what uh everybody's been waiting waiting with bated breath to see like the initial reaction to those events when the live tour first gained steam was well look these like for example mickelson played in the PGA Championship, Mickelson played in the Open, right? I mean, he's got status in those, but how will that go moving forward? Now, the Masters is an invitation tournament. It's always been an invitation tournament, so they can pick and choose who they want to be at Augusta. But uh, the other 
The other three of the majors, uh, certainly uh, that has yet to be determined. And, you know, the RNA is going to have something to do with it. It used to be called the European Tour. Now it's the DP Tour. There's all kinds of things swirling around. It, it, it Every day it seems like there's a little something different. And like we started with today, it was Tiger Woods uh, making sure that he made a stop in Delaware to speak and try to rally the rank and file to stay in line. Uh, PT, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Right now, the Phillies are the number five seed in the playoffs. If the playoffs were to start today, they would play. Uh, it's funny, as I open this up, I just see New Jersey could ban future live golf events. Mm. So that thing is uh, another wrench in the wheel there. But that's uh, for another time. The Phillies right now would play the Braves if the playoffs started today. And then if they won, they would play the Dodgers. Okay. So, would you rather play the Braves, Dodgers, or Cardinals, Mets? Hmm. Well, am I allowed to go for the wrestling? Like, in order to beat be the best, you have to beat the best. Woo! Can I do that? <laughs> I never took you to be a Ric Flair guy, but sure. Yeah, it's an oldie but a goodie. You know, I mean, uh, the truth of it is, is I, I want to. I want to see the Phillies get in the playoffs. I want to see them win. But I don't think you want to duck the competition. You know, if you're worthy, then go in and take on the best. So, uh, yes, I like where their spot is now more because it looks like they're a playoff team and they're, the moves that they made at the deadline bolster them to be a playoff team. But I'd rather see them do the Cardinals' bets. Be, you know, plus shove that up all the Keith Hernandez teams that he played for. <laughs> I saw something today that the Phillies actually have less errors than the Mets do this year. Take that, Keith. What do you think of that? Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I mean, well, I, it sounds like because the Dodgers right now are the number one seed, the Mets are the number two seed, but it sounds like you're suggesting that you think the Mets are better than the Dodgers. Or did you not know the seeding? I, no, I didn't know who was one or two. I just know that I, I really do feel like, you know, first you want to get in, and then it's anybody's ball game once you get in. Uh, look, uh uh, that felt like a playoff series with the Mets over the weekend, and they didn't necessarily rise to the occasion as much as you'd hope they would. But at the same time, uh, they didn't have their horse either. So it was encouraging to see uh, Bryce Harper taking swings finally the other day. You know, they're on the verge of a significant milestone win tonight, right? Yeah, we win number 10,000. I mean, uh, are, is there going to be as much attention on that as there was? How many years ago was that when they lost 10,000? Yeah, it's first probably been about ever. four or five years now. Feels like it's been a while, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I think they're going to be the ninth team that wins 10,000 games. Uh, Giants, Dodgers, Cubs, Cardinals, Braves, Reds, Pirates, and Yankees are the others. So, uh, they're, it's not like they're the first ever to win 10,000, but they sure were the first to lose 10,000. <laughs> right. Uh, we told you the other day, PT, the Sixers are going to be playing on Christmas Day, but we also found out today that they will open the season, um, in uh, Boston on October the 18th. And then on Saturday, that's a Thursday, they will be hosting the Bucks in the home opener. So they'll have the Celtics on Thursday and the Bucks on Saturday. That's cool. I, I mean, it seems like they've opened against Boston, either at home or in Boston, a couple different times in recent memory. And Greek Freak coming in, I'm okay with that, too. I mean, that's a heck of a one-two punch. I, I know when we talked about that for the Christmas Day uh, game, I'm excited about that as well. But uh, 
Sixers at Lakers or Sixers at Celtics. Uh, okay, third time they've played on opening night in the past five years. I knew that stat was it was frequent at least in the last couple. That is of, going uh, to be the uh, TNT Thursday night opener for the season. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. And uh, I didn't realize this yesterday because you and I were on location. But apparently, James Harden was the first to sort of leak out. Yeah, you know the the news about that they were going to play the Knicks on Christmas. So ho ho ho! Yes, indeed. All right, Pete Thompson's uh, Tuesday with Thompson. That's his extra points, which you can check out in Shore Local on Friday on the newsstands. Wherever you get your uh, newspapers on the newsstands out there, you can pick up one and check out PT's uh, extra points column. When we come back, we will get into that's entertainment. His column appears. In Friday's edition of Shore Local, it's called That's Entertainment. We'll see what PT's watching this week. More Sports Bash on the way, including another qualifying name. More Sports Bash here on the Tuesday. Tomorrow, we're back with uh, Mike McGarry, John McMullen, Jeff Mosher, Joe Valerio. A little cup of Joe's back. Stick around. That's entertainment. It's next with the PT here on a Tuesday with Thompson on 97.3 ESPN. Now back to the spree ESPN. 5.30's the time. Here's the next name. Larry McNair. Larry, you are qualified for the Eagles road trip to Washington with our friends from Philly Sports Trips. We're going to be live at Garden State Brewery on Friday, August 26th. And Larry McNair, you will be there. If you want to win the trip, you got to be present to win. One lucky winner wins the trip. Transportation. We'll have a little tailgate party beforehand. You go cheer on the Eagles in Washington against Carson Wentz and the Commanders. That game, September 25th. Congratulations, Larry McNair. You're our latest qualifier. We'll see you out there on Friday. All right, Pete Thompson, a Tuesday with Thompson. That's entertainment is the name of his column. And uh, let's see what PT's watching this week. A couple of uh, offerings for our listeners out there, PT. I know everybody was uh, talking about the end of Better Call Saul, right? So much so that I had to write about it as well. I wrote goodbye to Better Call Saul, and I... Started off the column by saying, I have to admit, it's weird to compose a headline for a series that I haven't watched one episode yet. I mean, I've never seen an episode of Better Call Saul, and the double down on that is that I've never seen an episode of Breaking Bad. So before you flog flog me for that, I feel like it's only right to watch Breaking Bad first and then turn your attention to Better Call Saul. Well, Better Call Saul is actually actually a prequel, so... Okay, uh, so I could watch it in the opposite order then? I guess so. I mean, theoretically, it's a prequel, so I guess you could watch it first, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both on my to-watch list. I just, it's, when something is that prevalent in entertainment media, you know it's a big deal. And obviously, the end of Better Call Saul, there's a lot of people watching it, including I know yourself. So, Well, I'm uh, watching Better Call Saul now. I'm in, like, season four, so I'm getting close to the end. I, I saw Breaking Bad. I got to admit, I didn't see Breaking Bad when it was in first run. Okay. So I waited. Let- a little while, but once which I started, I think it. sometimes which I think sometimes can be a good thing. You know what I mean? I think I've spoken on here before how I 
I watched the entire first season of Only Murders in the Building after it had already run. So I was able to just binge watch and watch all 13 episodes and loved it and thought it was great. And then this season, I'm watching season two and it pisses me off that I have to wait each Tuesday for a new episode. I get I get frustrated it having is, to wait. I want to just roll right into the next one. It is interesting. And, and like, you know, you think about network television who has basically done away with uh, sitcoms and shows because people want to be able to watch them binge style. I would. Uh, I used to describe in the classroom to the students what it was like, what the concept of a cliffhanger was like. And, of course, there was no greater cliffhanger in television than who shot JR, you know, and, and how that ended. And they, they went on break and hiatus, and it was on the cover of People magazine. It was on the cover of all the newspapers. Everybody was trying to figure out who shot JR. That was a huge deal. Back in the day, I mean, Larry Hagman went to England and the Queen of England was like, I say, Mr. Hagman, could you tell me who shot you? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, she wanted to know as well. But nowadays you just wait 30 seconds and the next episode will run. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I, I've actually and I'm an old guy. I'm 51, but I've, I I now do not like waiting. But, you know, um you do what you got to do. Hey, while we were in commercial break, I saw this news pop up. Robert De Niro is reuniting with the Goodfellas writer, Nicholas Pileggi, and he's going to play not one but two crime bosses in a new gangster movie. Nicholas Pileggi wrote the script for Wise Guys, and Goodfellas producer Erwin Winkler is also going to work on this upcoming film. It's going to come out from the new combination. It's uh Warner Brothers Disney. It's a new media merger. Merger, excuse me. Warner Brothers Discovery. I misspoke. Warner Brothers Discovery. So Warner Warner Media and Discovery have now combined. Uh, part of that combination is resulting in some layoffs and some of these shows getting canceled. Uh, in fact, the biggest news. Maybe Josh paid attention to this. Was they they took a ninety million dollar movie, uh, Batgirl, and put that on the shelf. I know Josh was looking forward to that, but uh, this Wise Guys uh, uh, really uh, makes me excited because it's got De Niro, it's got Pileggi, it's got uh, Barry Levinson, who's done Rain Man and Wag the Dog, and he's going to direct it. De Niro is supposed to play Vito Genovese and Frank Costello, two real-life Italian-American mobsters from opposing families. Look, as long as it's not as long as The Irishman, I'm in. Never saw The Irishman, so you're telling me I shouldn't. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. Like, uh, I can remember way back in the day when we used to go to the video store and get the rental cassettes, you know. And this was pre-Blockbuster. We went to Country Video. And I remember my parents brought home Gandhi, and it was on two tapes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, how long is this movie that's on two tapes? Well, The Irishman would have been on three. I wonder how I many mean, people you just mentioned. Where'd you go get your movies? Country Video. Yeah, before Blockbuster, yeah. what was the name of your store that you went to? Right, that's what I was going to say, because I used to go to Margate Video. It was down the side street on, like, Douglas Avenue in Margate. Right, and was it called Margate Video or Down Beach Video? Uh, I think it was Margate Video. Okay. I just, could be wrong. Curious. I thought it was right. Margate Video. It, it was... Um, it was a primo hoagie for a little while afterwards. I mean, like years afterwards, but I don't think okay. it's anything right now. I will throw in a plug that out there on social media, there is a, or out there on one of the streaming services, 
There's a documentary called The Last Blockbuster. I it's saw really that really good. Yeah. Did you ever watch that one? Yeah, before? I did watch that one. Yeah. And I don't know who's airing it now. I mean, the, the store is in Bend, Oregon, but you can Google it and it'll it'll show you, you know, it started in 92 as a Pacific video and then Blockbuster came and they still have all the signage and they still have the, you know, the candy and the gum and it's the last one, you know. And the funniest thing about it when they uh, talk about that in the documentary is that uh, uh, they can't find like the the ribbons for the dot matrix printer you know what i mean like they can't find the thing that's going to create the new membership cards like the keys for those computers are so old that they can't find the replacement parts yeah well um i did see that documentary it's a netflix right yeah i think it was on netflix and it's really good if you've never seen that i think it's it's just one of the things that we've lost as we talk about entertainment and and streaming shows and all that is the uh spirit of what it was like to you know you you picked your girl up and then you went to the store and then you walked around and you'd pick the boxes up by the cover and read the description on the back and you know, maybe you'd have a couple, you know, I mean, all that stuff went away when everything just became streaming and everything just became at your thoughts. Well, that was a night out. A, that was, you take, yeah. you go to the video store, you'd walk around Blockbuster Video for like an hour before you finally decided what you wanted to get. Yeah, I thought there was a romanticism to it, you know, so it's called The Last Blockbuster. That came out in 2020. It's about an hour and a half and it's really, it's definitely worthy of your time to to check it out, the last retail store ever using the Blockbuster brand. See, now you have me thinking, was it called Down Beach Video or was it Margate Video? I'm sorry, I, and I don't, you know, I didn't grow up here, so I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it feels like it would be something that would be called Down Beach Video since that was such a popular name for a lot of those uh, stores or a lot of the places that were in Margate at that time. Now, when I was growing up in Sea Isle, when I moved down to the Jersey Shore, it was Starlight Video in Sea Isle. That was over okay. across the street from Kicks in the same plaza as the Acme. I think it was, I mean, by the I, way, I think it was Down Beach Video on, I think it was on Frontenac Avenue. What did I say? Douglas Avenue? I think it was on Frontenac Avenue. All right. but So the Down Beach I am right. Interesting. Yeah, good call, PT. Sorry about Thank that. Thank you. No, that's it. I know this. I mean, if you're of a certain age, like our first VCR was a top-loading VCR, right? You had to put the thing in and then push it down like you were closing a you know toaster or something like that. And then the second thing was is you had to pay, like you paid like $25 to become a member of this video store, but they would give you 10 free rentals to start off your membership. And I can remember some of those rentals that we, that I know, I think Ferris Bueller was one of the ones that we first rented. I definitely know in there that my brother pushed hard for risky business and my parents afterwards. We watched it as a family. <laughs> and my parents afterwards are like, Peter shouldn't have been watching that. And I'm thinking, this is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got some text messages. It was Down Beach Video. And Ventner had West Coast video. 
Oh, West Coast was very popular. You know, West Coast video uh, not only was they, they got pushed out, I think, by Blockbuster once Blockbuster grew so big. But the West Coast video chains also had a lot of the early ticket masters in them. So I can remember sleeping outside of a West Coast video in a sleeping bag or a blanket or a chair or whatever, waiting to go get tickets for a concert. The Dow Beach could. video was like a tiny little place. It was like a local joint. Not West Coast, I don't think, was... Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a franchise. I mean, that's yeah, a West Coast thing. was bigger. Yeah, Dow Beach video was the size of the studio I'm in right now. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. It had like one of every movie. And if that movie wasn't there, you were out of luck. You were cooked. Well, and that's why the blockbusters, when they came out, were so, you know, successful so quickly was they always had the popular movie in stock. And they had a bunch of copies of it, too. You know, if something came out, it was hot. Yeah. They would have 10 to 12 copies of it, and you almost were for sure you were going to get that move. All right, uh, let's hit on a couple more. Uh, what's just a league of their own? I keep seeing a lot of this. Well, uh, make your choice accordingly. It is not the Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, you know, Lori Petty movie. It's not Penny Marshall's 1992 film. It's, it's based on the story, sort of. You know, it follows in the footsteps. It's women who are fighting to play professional baseball at the height of World War II. It's the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. However, this is also not 1992 anymore, and this is told in the 2022 version, which has a lot to do with, like, some of the serious themes, like sexuality and race. So um, it, it was – I enjoyed it. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Um, our uh, friend Damian Musiani has a small role in it. And How about that? up in one of the scenes. So, And, you know, on Amazon Prime, you watch some stuff on Amazon Prime, right? Before show? I have seen, yeah, that's where I watch the Americans. Right, and you're familiar with the x-ray feature. Like, if you're ever watching a scene, you can hit pause, and, like, the names will pop up of who the actors are. I think that's the coolest thing that Amazon Prime has going for it. So so I paused the scene the other night. I was watching it with Susan. She wasn't watching it as actively as I was. But I said, I want you to see this and see if you recognize anybody. And he comes out. By the way, his credit is this. It says... Uh, Damien Musiani, Italian waiter. <laughs> Perfect casting. But she immediately started smiling because she goes, oh, my God, that's Damien. And, of course, he's with two of the leads, Abby Jacobson and Darcy Corden, who are two of the main lead characters in it. So uh, I enjoyed it. It's a league of their own. It's a it's sort of a retelling of it. Uh, I think they're going to have a season two of it. And, um, you know, it's it's not it's not Disney-fied. It's, I think, probably closer to the story that maybe – Penny Marshall really wanted to tell, but nobody was going to talk about in 1992. All right. Uh, what else is streaming that we should uh, check out, PT? Well, you know, since I had to fork over and sign up for that Apple TV Plus, I might sneak in real quick. I found out that they've got the Snoopy show and Snoopy in space. I don't know if you're a big Snoopy guy, but for me, Snoopy Woodstock, yeah. heck yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna check that out before it goes away. And I watched the Orville I finally watched the conclusion of that. Uh, that's something that started out on regular TV on Fox. And it's funny because, you know, people always think of Seth MacFarlane with like a, a family guy or American Dad or Ted. But this is sort of like it's it's dramedy is what it is. I mean, it has some comedy in it, but it's set in space. And I, I really enjoyed the storytelling in it. So uh, I would urge people to try and give that a look. That's now on Disney Plus, too. It was on Hulu just the third season and now they've blended all the seasons over into disney plus so and we know disney plus is now beating netflix so everybody should have disney plus
Okay. Uh, what's on the big screen now? You know, I finally went and saw Minions, The Rise of Gru last week. Uh, and the funny thing about it is I had had lunch in the afternoon. This was, I think, last Wednesday I went and did this. And then I was like, oh, there's a 235 showing of Minions. I'll go see this. Gil, who do you think was in the movie theater for a 235 showing of Minions? No clue. I mean, it was like all six to, you know, four to ten-year-olds max. And it wasn't even parents. It felt like grandparents. Like, the grandparents were taking the grandkids out. Like, I sat in a row of eight. There was six kids, a grandmom, and me, <laughs> right, all the way on the end seat. Jeez. And I thought, this is going to be terrible. They're all going to be yelling and screaming. But they were riveted. And it was encouraging for me to see young people at the movies. So uh, that's still out there. I'd like to see Bullet Train maybe before it goes away with Brad Pitt and – uh if you're an E.T. fan, and I don't know if you are or not, Mike Gill, but it's the 40th anniversary of E.T., phone home. So they're playing it in the IMAX over there at Tilton Square Theater. And uh, I, I would think that if you have uh, young kids or if you have somebody in your family that's never seen it on the big screen or never seen it at all, this would be an opportune time to take them to see E.T. All right. Well, uh, I um, have not been to the movie since 1998, but I'm glad that you are still going, Peter. Very much so. Somebody's got to support those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you're doing it. Somebody, Josh goes to the movies. He does. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a streaming thing I watched. Uh, there's some uh, Groot uh, things on Disney+, Plus. these little Groot shorts. I am Groot. So I've been checking them out, too. Good for you. Uh, Thanks, all right, buddy. There's uh, That's Entertainment. You can read the full column uh, over at Shore Local, and that comes out on Friday. You can check that out. And uh, I'm getting to the end of um, Better Call Saul, and I'm in uh, midway through season seven of Blacklist. So pretty soon, I'm gonna you know need something else here, PT. So these are all good. I'm writing them down so I can keep them in the in the queue, as you would say, right? Yep, that's exactly right. I'll be I'll keep doing the research for you, buddy. Well, thank you. Uh, everybody enjoys it. I have people out there saying I really enjoy these uh, recommendations. People in the summer are always looking for stuff to watch. Very much so. Watching any game shows, PT? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A $100,000 pyramid we watch. Uh, the Celebrity Family Feud. The other night, that girl, uh, what's that girl from uh, Wicked? And um, she was on the West Wing. Uh, she she made. She's supposed to be a good Christian girl. She had Steve Harvey ro rolling his eyes because she said something inappropriate they had to bleep. So, yeah, yeah Celebrity Family Feud, $100,000 pyramid. Jimmy Fallon just started Password. We DVR all that stuff. Who's that? Uh, Stockard Channing in uh, no, West Wing? No, no, God. I, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, too. The, the blonde-haired girl with a really high-pitched voice. Um, she was in Pushing Daisies. Um, uh, as soon as I disconnect, I'm going to remember who it was. Okay. Well, think about it. I'll get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's a uh, Tuesday with Thompson here. That's entertainment is his column. Friday. Christian Chenoweth. There you go. All right, Peter. Uh, yeah, that's right. All right. He'll be back on uh, Happy Hour Friday. Uh, I think he's going to Rod Stewart on Friday. Maggie May. All right. Uh, right now, I'm uh, searching out caller number 7, 609 573-3776-609-573-3776. You know what you need to do. Caller 7, you're qualified for the Eagles road trip to Washington to see the Eagles play thanks to Philly sports trips. If you're Caller 7, you are entered for the trip 
We'll see you on Friday, the 26th of August at Garden State Brewery. Caller 7 right now. Good luck. Now, back to more on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, getting you out of here, we want to congratulate Melissa McCooley from Galloway. She was caller number seven. Congratulations to Melissa. You've got a shot to go to Washington now to go see the Eagles play the Commanders on September 25th. We'll see Melissa over at Garden State Brewery on uh, August 26th. Congratulations, Melissa. If you want to enter, go to our website, 973ESPN.com. And listen for your name starting again tomorrow, right here on the Sports Bash. Uh, it is a uh, Tuesday. What do you got going on in game night tonight? I got uh, Dave Sherapan from Las Vegas, as Billy Schwein calls him, the sports book consigliere. He'll be jumping on the show to talk a little uh, football, a little baseball. All right. So that's tonight at 620. So tomorrow we're back with more qualifiers and Phillies Reds tonight. Do they win got, tonight? Uh, yeah, I think they sweep this series. Ooh. Gibson pitching tonight. That's true. Against a guy I never heard of. You're going to have that for the Reds most times you face that. I was going to say, that part's not surprising. <laughs> I'll be very disappointed if they don't win tonight. Put it that way. It's a 6.40 start time, so a little earlier in Cincinnati. They were like doing that, that with the Phillies. They were doing that with the Phillies back, remember, April? When yep. the kids were still in school, they were doing 6.40. Yeah, I don't mind it. Uh, home and ready to watch the game by that point. All right, I'm back tomorrow. Hopefully you have a good rest of your Tuesday. Game night is next. Uh, Mike McGarry's on tomorrow. John McMullen, Jeff Mosher, Joe Valerio, Jeff Kerr. We've got a lot of football for you on tomorrow's show. We'll mix the baseball in as well. Thanks to our guests today, Frank Close, Johnny Mack, Adam Kaplan. And, of course, the PT for a Tuesday with Thompson. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. I'm Mike Yo, and this is The Sports Bash.